0: Thank you. Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary analysis, and funny stuff. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Oh, hello. Miss Brittany Brombacher. Oh, hello. And very special guest, Trisha Hirschberger, is here. Hi, I'm so happy to be here chatting with y'all. I'm so glad that we finally got you on the show. I have known Trisha for so long and had the pleasure of getting to work with you when we were both uh, doing stuff for Game Trailers and the Escapist magazine, uh, which feels like forever ago now. That was what,
1: 2014? Maybe. Yeah, it does feel like forever ago. It's so funny to see how the industry's changed so much over the years. And when I say the industry, I pretty much mean like digital content around video games. (laughs) Like, I feel like that was still right on the cusp of, like, games journalism in print being the hot thing and that kind of changing over to more of, like, the Let's Play video content style. Um, But, yeah, we worked in the same office for, like, a hot second.
0: I know. And I was like, (laughs) I remember the first time I ran into you in the office, I was just like, can you just come into the office
1: all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was so nice. Yeah, there's never enough ladies in the office, I feel like. No.
0: I know those Warp Zone guys, they were always just spilling over everything with all their props and their costumes and things everywhere. They're so nice. Um, They are. They are a lovely group of gentlemen over there. So, so
1: tragic what happened with Defy Media. I was just going to say, if anybody's hiring and looking for some creative gold, there's a lot of people looking for work right now.
0: Yeah, a ton of people. Um, as always, if you guys are industry people listening to the podcast, because we know there's a bunch of you out there, um, always lurking in the wings, never commenting on anything. <laughs> if you do work in the industry and uh, you are looking for somebody, whether they be an editor, a video producer, a writer, an on-camera host, anything related to the to running YouTube channels, Twitch channels, or video games media, please. Uh, reach out to me directly. and I'd be happy to connect you with any of those people. Of course, contact at what'sgoodgames.com is the email address that's easiest to use. Um, So uh, for people that don't know Trisha, which it's kind of weird to think that anybody might not know you because you've been everywhere. (laughs) Um, She hosts a variety of shows. She's not only got her own Mm. Twitch channel, YouTube channel, and social media channels, but you also... Produce, right in host for people like Geek and Sundry, mm-hmm. New Egg, Kingston, Nerds with Kids. What else? What is – wait. Maybe the question I need to ask you is what haven't you done?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so nice. I don't know. I, I feel like I have been very, very lucky to stumble and fall into this career where I get to talk about things that I'm passionate about for a living. Like, people pay me to geek out about stuff, and that's incredible. Um, And through that, I learned how to produce. I learned post-production, like, all these things that were never really my passion in the first place. But I was like, oh, man, if this means that I get to talk about gadgets and video games for a living, then I am on board. Sign me up. Um, So yeah, it's kind of spilled over into a lot of stuff. Movies, I'm actually hosting a Facebook show for Focus Features right now too. Um, But comics, cosplay, movies, like general fandom culture, a lot of tabletop gaming, all stuff that I grew up loving and never knew I could have a career in. I feel like kids nowadays are growing up being like, I want to stream video games for a living. And that is awesome because when I was a kid, that was not a thing. That was not (laughs) a possibility. Um, So it's, it's very cool that there are so many different ways to have a career in something that i think previously people would have just considered a hobby
2: i mean i didn't even know how games came to be i was like i love video games but no one works on these they just they just appear from ether right like <laughs> <laughs> like it just what didn't never occurred to me that this was such a massive industry when yeah. i was younger i would yeah. love to do some tabletop
3: gaming with you get yes please what do you play two. Yeah, oh, not, not no, not enough. No, no, not enough. That's the thing is I've only played a few things D&D and I love okay. it and it's so much fun. And we actually did it with some of our community members at PAX East last year and had so much fun. I want to do more. Very cool. I think I think Andrew's a little intimidated because she's not sure because like, it went really fast. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you, we threw, yeah. we threw a baby like, girl right out of the fray.
0: Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I don't know any of the rules of D&D and how to engage and what is acceptable and what is not. And people were like, just wing it. And I'm like, no, you can't just wing it.
2: I need to know what the rules are. I'm just insight checking literally everyone. (laughs) Like, that's what I did. I was just (laughs) like, insight check, insight check. I still don't know what that means. And Andrea,
1: you can get a, a digital PDF copy of the player's handbook, read that book, and that will give you all the generals that you need because I am very much like you. I think the fun of D D is not only in the improv, but also in the math and all the complexities, because that makes it more real. So I love understanding the background of the game and how it came to be. And uh fifth gen, which is what the current gen of D D is very streamlined. So it's super easy to understand. So if you read that one book, you totally get what was going on.
3: Isn't that it- I didn't even know there was a book? Yes. yes. Isn't the general a lot of books. idea that you could just try almost anything? and your dungeon master should be able to make it work or not work like work it into the story. Yes, I know. There's some okay. things to keep it
1: based in the reality of the world that you're in because if you could just make up whatever like mm-hmm. I don't right. know and you were on the verge of death you could be like and I just don't die. Like, I just stand right right up because I didn't die. Like, there's things that have to be in play there. Got it, got uh, it. Mostly to deal with combat. But things like insight checks and stuff like that where based on your numerical stats from your character's background, it determines whether or not you're successful at a given challenge or attempt. Um, But, yes, the basic understanding, if you have a good DM, you can just come in and play. Just improv. Just wing it. And they'll let you know if you say something. And they're like, well, you can't exactly do that. Or you have to make a roll for that or something like that.
3: <sighs> we need yes. to do more. That'd be so much fun.
1: It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we, well, we are already
0: up. talking about doing more at PAX East. The yeah. conversation has begun. Are you
1: going to be attending PAX East, do you think? Not that I know of. I have uh, severely limited my travel. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure having a
1: small child
0: is uh, a good reason to stay home more often than not.
1: Yeah, unless it's like a really, really worth it gig for me, I'll stay home. Um, Not to say that I won't book something super awesome for PAX East and end up being there. But as of right now, no plans.
0: Well, it is still, what, five months away, four months away? Yeah. So we've got time. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that you book something really cool, so that way you can join us for some D and D, because that would yes. be really fun. Yes, that'd be awesome. Um, so we're going to get into some news here in just a moment, but I want to give a big shout out and thank you to our special What's Good Games Patreon producer, Lincoln Davis from PolyArch. We are going to be doing his special producer segment at the end of the show that is all about VR. Surprise, surprise. Uh, you guys might know PolyArch as the developers of Moss, one of the many games that are being honored in the Game Awards nominees this year. So congratulations to to them. And um, we have been revamping our merch store. Britt and I spent a bunch of time in there cleaning up a bunch of stuff, um, kind of getting the uh, merch store ready because we're going to be doing a Black Friday and Cyber Monday special, which we'll have more details about in next week's episode. So if you've been holding out on getting merch or if there's items in there that you're like, "Mm, I had my eye on that the first time but didn't pull the trigger." We're going to have some great shopping deals for you guys to talk about very, very soon. So maybe you want to go to teespring.com slash stores slash what's good games and just browse around and get your eye on what you want. And that way, when the deal is announced, you can just hit, click that buy button. There you just go. Just for that. Um, mm-hmm. All right. I'm so- totally not doing that right now by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm very proud of all of the ladies options that we have in our stores. So many of our favorite video game and nerd brands offer these unisex sizes mm-hmm. that don't Bull account shit. for breasts that Bull are not shit. good. And that's, you know,
1: Bull
2: those so always end up as giveaways
1: on my Twitch channel.
2: Yes. Nice True. You're like, Hey, does anybody want a shirt or I'll just sleep in this? I guess. Yep. That's all I do.
1: Just sleeping. Wait, quick question. Are any of you ladies good at that magical uh, cutting a a man's shirt up so it looks super cute? Andrea. Yeah. I have learned the ways by watching many a YouTube tutorial. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That is a superpower. I never figured that out. I cut them up and they just look like I cut a t-shirt. rags. right? It is very
0: easy to Overcut, So you have to practice on a shirt that you don't care about to make sure uh, that you're cutting at the right places, particularly if you're cutting along the collar line. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to cut just even a half an inch too far, and then it, like, falls off of you, and you can't wear it anymore.
2: Or you have to sew it up. you can, Uh but only uh for specific purposes. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Touche. Touche. I guess if that's your prerogative, then... Cut Some people away might be able to as, as much as you want. Um, it might be difficult to be um kinky with it if it doesn't stay on at all, though. That's my point.
3: <laughs> I guess you could drape it. I mean I mean we could go down a few rabbit holes yeah, right now. I was like, I'm just gonna leave that. I got thoughts in I'm my head. Leave it. I'm leave it. <laughs> Guys, your merch okay. is
1: awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks. It's so good. I'm not Maybe even have some saying some that because cool I'm on your show.
0: <laughs> um, I'm wearing the zip-up hoodie right now. It is very cozy because it is now getting cold all over the country. And I know I can't really complain about it being cold because I'm in California and people back home where I'm from, it's like five degrees right now. Nope. So No, thank you. Unsubscribe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but without further ado – Now that we have introductions out of the way, we have quite a bit to discuss with the Game Award nominees. So on Tuesday, the nominees were announced, and as we've mentioned on the show before, we at What's Good Games are part of the nomination and voting jury uh, that – look at all of the games out and that are eligible for nomination and we make our selections. Our selections are then tallied up with 68 other outlets from around the world and um, the board of directors over at the Game Awards takes a look at it all and says who has the most nominations in each of these categories and that's who got announced. So Let's, uh, let's take a look, shall we? So from the press release that was sent out earlier this week... It says, leading the pack with eight nominations each, Sony Santa Monica's God of War and Rockstar Games' Red Dead Redemption 2 are both nominated for Game of the Year alongside four other titles, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, The Independent Celeste, Marvel's Spider-Man, which has seven nominations, Assassin's Creed has four nominations, and uh, Celeste also has four nominations, Monster Hunter World. Has three nominations and other notable multi nominees include Epic Games Fortnite with four nominations and a trio of games with three nominations each. Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Destiny 2 Forsaken, and Detroit Become Human. Nominated content creators and streamers include Ninja, Pokimane, Dr. Lupo, Myth, and Wiley Rex. Nominees were selected by a global panel of 68 leading media outlets across enthusiasts and mainstream media. Fans can help choose winners this year in all categories via online voting across several digital and social platforms, including TheGameAwards.com, certain award categories, Certain award categories could also be voted on directly via Facebook Messenger and Twitter direct message. And fans can talk to Amazon Alexa to vote for specific categories. (laughs) And also use their voice to vote uh, the Game Awards action, which works with Google Assistant. This is all really wild. And an industry first, gamers will be able to select the winners in all categories of the Game Awards by voting... In the official Game Awards Discord server, that's discord.gg slash the Game Awards, the server, which is open for fans to join now, will place, um, will be the place to get the show info before, during, and after the awards. Voting will officially open uh, November 13th, so it's open now, and run to December 5th.
3: What a time so, to be
0: alive, ladies
3: and gentlemen. I know, right? <laughs> I can speak to the little device on my kitchen counter and tell her to vote for video games. I mean, if you
2: can play Skyrim on it. Oh, this Which sense. I did, by the way. We never,
3: not, um, we won't derail, Whoa. but I did do that. And that was really How fun. Was it? it was really fun. I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. But I digress. Yeah, this is cool. So, what's the easiest way to vote then? Is there a website you can go to? Did I miss that? Or is it all just thegameawards.com? Okay. it's probably the easiest way to vote. That sounds simple.
0: Yes. But. I mean, maybe you're on Twitter all the time and you just want to send a DM or maybe you don't want to vote for every category. Maybe you just want to vote for like your favorite fighting game or your favorite content creator. Um, You can just vote in single categories if you want. I don't know what the restrictions are on voting uh, multiple times across multiple platforms. I would imagine it's more like an American Idol style of voting where you can like, vote as many times as you want
2: (laughs) i think you'd have Um, to because like there's no way you would necessarily be able to tell unless they somehow
0: tie it to your ip address Uh And then shout out to everyone
1: with VPNs. There you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There'd definitely be some way around it. But the important thing to remember is even though you as the public can vote and should vote for your favorites, that collective vote is weighted 10% to the 90% of the jury vote. So um, needless to say, if – there is an overwhelming favorite in a category among the jurors that that's probably going to win. But the thing that's crazy about this year is that I think a lot of these races are going to be split votes, even more so than last year. We saw, you know, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild kind of sweep most of the awards last year, much to my sadness. Horizon <laughs> Zero Dawn, wow, wow. Um, Rip I piece. know, right. Um, So let's go over these nominees. So we already listed off the Game of the Year nominees for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, For Best Ongoing Game, we've got Destiny 2, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Best Game Direction, A Way Out... Detroit Become Human, God of War, Marvel Spider Man, Red Dead Redemption Two, Best Narrative, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Life is Strange Two, Episode One, Marvel Spider Man, and Red Dead Redemption Two. Interesting that best Odyssey. Arthur,
3: sorry, just real quick. It's no, interesting that Odyssey wasn't nominated in, in any of those categories
0: in game yeah, direction and best narrative. Yeah, That's yeah. All. Well, I mean we we nominated it. I think in a couple of these categories, um, it's. It is always curious to me how a random game kind of sneaks in like a way out that's this is the only nomination a way out has in all of the Game Awards, is just for game direction, mm-hmm. um, which I mean doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve to be there. It's just always kind of a head scratcher for me as to why certain games show up like singularly, singularly in one category and not others, mm-hmm. or moreover, like what we've seen in previous years and even this year, why a game would be nominated for Game of the Year and then not nominated in any of the other categories. Yeah. Um, But we'll discuss um, in depth some of these categories in just a second. Um, And I'm not going to read all of these categories because there are quite a few. Again, if you want to see all of them, thegameawards.com, particularly the eSports categories, which we're just going to skip altogether since we are not part of the eSports jury. uh, Unless, Tricia, you have a dying, burning – Desire to talk about it e-sports. sounded like no, you're going to say a no, dying, not, burning disease. Not
1: particularly. <laughs> I, uh, I I dabble as an esports fan, but I am by no means an expert in that world. Okay, then
0: um, best score in music presented by Spotify, which is kind of a neat category to sponsor. Celeste, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Nino Kuni Two, Octopath Traveler, and Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, then we've got. Um, Best Audio Design, uh, which we're going to skip over for now. Best Performance, um, Brian Deckard as Connor in Detroit Become Human. Christopher Judge as Kratos. Um, Melisamthi mahout as Cassandra, Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan, and Yuri Lowenthal as Peter Parker slash Spider Man. That's going to be uh, a tough one. That's a tough. Category. I mean, that's an impossible category, right? They're all so good. Mm-hmm. uh Games for Impact, Eleven Eleven, Memories Retold, Celeste, Florence, Life is Strange Two, Episode One, and The Missing. uh Best Indie Game, Celeste, Dead Cells, Into the Breach, Return to the Oberdin, and The Messenger. Um, and then uh, there's also Best Mobile Game, which has some interesting uh, nominations, pitting a game as small and tiny as Florence up a behemoth like Fortnite is kind of interesting. Um, best VR AR game we're going to talk more about in the fifth or the, excuse, the fifth segment. That <laughs> How long. many segments oh do we have now? Uh, the third segment. Um, but that's Astrobot, Speed Saber, Firewall Zero Hour, Moss and Tetris Effect. Um, and then we've got... Kind of the individual categories, which we can kind of talk about um, as we go along. So, ladies, of the categories we kind of talked about so far, what of these has stood out to you as a surprising nomination?
3: I think for me, Game of the Year, Monster Hunter World being on there is a little surprising. And we are talking about this a little bit in our pre-show live stream. Yeah, I wonder if it's an international thing. Because like you said, Andrew, you made the point, this game is absolutely not going to win game of the, v- of the year. I understand how for some folks personally, absolutely it could be their personal game of the year. But critically, I just can't see that. So it's kind of a head scratcher how this got here in the first place. I'm not saying it wasn't a great game, but I'm not being too hard on this, am I? Are you understanding? No, no. it's
0: not no. Really no, no. Really it nominated
3: for much else. Yeah. Like it's out no, of and that's- the other biggies.
0: Exactly. That's the thing that's really crazy. If you look down this list, uh, the game that, the category we nominated for was best action game because that is a game that's focused on combat and Monster Hunter is literally all about hunting monsters. The narrative in that game is absolutely non-existent. And so I was also very surprised, Britt, when I saw this nominated because most of these categories, five nominees. Um that's you know the standard number for how many nominees. Game of the Year got six. So that to me means that there was a tie somewhere in these nominees. Somebody was tied with Monster Hunter World. But it's not nominated for any other category except Best Role Playing Game.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And I would argue that I don't know how that's going to stack up against the other other role-playing games in that category, I think it has yeah. no shot at winning Best RPG this year. There's just way too many good RPGs that are in that field. Uh, just as a reminder, Dragon Quest Eleven, Monster Hunter World, Ni no Kuni Two, Octopath Traveler, and Pillars of Eternity oh, Two.
3: It's the year of old-school yeah. RPGs, and I, effing, yeah. I, effing, I love it. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, for me, I would head. choose
1: Octopath Traveler or Pillars of Eternity Two: Deadfire over mm-hmm. Monster Hunter World in the RPG category. So just to echo what you said, like game
3: of the year. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's, Where it's did kind this of, come yeah. from. <laughs> I also thought it was and it does, interesting. If, you, if I have another thing to say um, that Detroit become <laughs> <laughs> human, didn't get games for impact. Uh, I mean, I understand like these other games definitely have a much more obvious impact. I would say, I would say, but Detroit become human. I thought also told a lot of interesting personal stories and, was well, a very impactful game. So that was interesting. Well, one of
0: the reasons that we discussed, and which we'll go more into when we do our Game Awards predictions episode, which will be you know a, a standalone episode the week of the Game Awards. But one of the reasons why we didn't really nominate Life is Strange to episode one for a lot of things was because it's just episode one. And that game really, I think, is dependent on how all five episodes are going to come together. And so I, I think that the bulk of that game, Life is Strange 2, is going to be out in 2019. So I have to imagine we'll be nominating it for awards at this time next year mm-hmm. for sure. But episode one, I think, didn't have as much of an impact as some of the other games that had released in their entirety in this year. And that's why I also was maybe surprised to see life is strange to episode one, make it in there for games for impact and a game like Detroit become human. Didn't I was kind of like, Hmm,
2: that's, I feel like life is strange. Even in the first episode though, kind of, it shows its hand in the sense of like, we are going to be tackling the uncomfortable subjects that you might not want. Like that. A lot of people sweep under the rug. Right. So I think in that way, and I, and I think it did it well. Um, so I think maybe that's why it kind of made it on there because there's also promise of, of what's to come. And I do think that that episode had a lot of heavy shit in it. Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, but that's what the Games for Impact category is for, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah that's, that's what there. we're talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. And for Detroit Become Human, I feel like the reason it probably didn't get it on there is is because a lot of people felt it was too heavy-handed. And I think when you become to overt with what you're trying to do, sometimes that message gets lost. Like, I feel like it's maybe fair. that's why it didn't get those nominations. And
1: maybe- Did you guys play a lot of those other games in the Games for Impact category? Because there's a few of them that I was like, I haven't even heard of that.
0: Yeah, eleven, eleven memories retold. I have not played or seen anything of at all. They reached out to us after the nomination submission was finalized, but I'm hoping a chance to get a chance to play it before we have to submit our final votes.
1: Yeah, I think it just came out a week ago, and on Steam it only has ten reviews. Like it's like a, I don't even know if it's eligible. Then yeah, it's it,
3: it was really surprising. Obviously, it is if I made the list. <laughs> So the I know Andrea and Simon have played Celeste. We've all played Life is Strange 2, Episode 1. We've all played Florence. I'm only an hour or so into The Missing, which is the story from what I can tell so far about um, two girlfriends who are romantically involved. And one of them, they both go to sleep. One wakes up. Girlfriend's missing. And so she's trying to find her. But the thing is, is her body literally falls apart. Because of certain puzzles, like you'll be walking and you'll have to break your arms and leg, or break your arm so you can fit through a space, and it's there's blood everywhere. No, and then you come no, back, thank you. You come back and they re, you can respawn them whenever you want, or you can be nothing but like a soul, like crawling. It's it's very impactful. So I'm glad to see this one get nominated as well.
1: It's very okay, shocking. Cool. And what's what's Florence on? That's not on Steam, is it? Is that it's a mobile on game? iPhone or okay. your just your it, phone?
2: Sorry, just mobile in general.
1: It's a, a mobile exclusive game. Okay, I don't play, play any it. mobile games, so I'm that's completely off my radar. Girl, I don't no, either. Play but this it one it's so is short. short
2: and really yeah. well told. You should play it. Yeah. Okay,
1: I'm I'm looking it up right now. Let's see if it's available for Android. I'm pretty sure it is because Anapurna
0: Interactive published it, and it they is. generally publish yeah it's, it's simultaneously. Two ninety nine
1: in the Google Play Store. If there's any so Android
0: viewers up. out
3: there, so worth it.
1: Okay, cool. Exactly.
0: And um, just a, a, a quick apology to people who are watching on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games. Um, I've been having some difficulty with Skype getting rid of the overlay, which you can see that it says Christine Steimer over Steimer's photo. Maybe people um, don't know who I am. <laughs> well, after, well, I have lower thirds up as well, though. So now oh. you have double lower thirds. I mean, um, just making so sure. I'm going to fix it once we go to our first break or try to get it fixed. But for now... Hopefully it doesn't bother you. <laughs> For now, it's um, just, yeah. So uh, looking at this list, um, another game or another category that I thought was um, kind of interesting is the... Let's see. Where is it? It's the best multiplayer game category. So some usual suspects here. Obviously, we expected to see Destiny and Call of Duty here as, you know, giants in the multiplayer field. Um, Obviously, expected to see Fortnite. The two games that were a surprise to me for multiplayer were Monster Hunter World and Sea of Thieves. Now, I loved playing Monster Hunter World and being able to, you know, look at my squad and jump into people's games or have people jump into mine when it comes to multiplayer functionality and being best of the best neither sea of thieves nor monster hunter i think really excelled here and i think it's notable that PUBG is missing from this field when it <laughs> dominated some of the nominations last year yeah i
3: think like you said I, i'm not surprised though i, I think only PUBG thing I, had a rough
1: year yeah the only thing I could say in kind of defensive of Sea of Thieves is that maybe it's a different type of multiplayer because you're teaming up with a large crew of people mm-hmm. um, in not exactly a combative sense. Like a lot of the other multiplayer team games that we have up there, you're just kind of going on adventures together. So maybe that's why it was thrown in
2: there. Um, yeah, but people like come and steal your shit and like fuck with you. But like, I, I'm not surprised I'm not surprised to see Thieves on there as best multiplayer game because it, it like that is the core function of that game is to mm-hmm. be designed it's a giant open sea filled with people filled with um, assholes it's an ocean of dicks
3: <laughs> that was a good throwback to, last, a good week throw back to last week's Thanks. episode
2: yes good job Brittany um <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> oh god um Monster Hunter World, I I also understand in terms of concept, but I feel like when I... Was, I didn't play this game because it wouldn't work on my Xbox, but whenever I would talk to you, Andrea, or you, Brittany, neither of you were like, yes, it works very well. <laughs> it was mostly like, we can make it through in order to get like playing with each other, but it was never like a oh it wasn't it was
3: yeah it wasn't seamless to hop in and out with friends that's for sure it was a very convoluted issue with the ui and whatnot um yeah i mean this isn't i guess none of this is really surprising i went through all the games that we all nominated and submitted and highlighted the ones that made it and didn't make it and the one that we nominated that wasn't selected was overcooked 2
1: oh yeah where's overcooked 2
0: on this list I think Overcooked 2 um, made a nomination for Best Family Game. Yes, is a like, nominated Best Family Game.
1: I want to murder people. I Yes. It's on Best Family. I don't know if I'm going my 11-year-old cousin. They might get strangled. <laughs> <laughs> that's Overcooked 2 to me. I, I- know. I get so bossy. <laughs>
0: I don't play with anyone.
1: Someone has to steer the ship. Someone's got to manage it. Um, I totally get it. I am also a bossy, overcooked player. Um, The thing that surprised me, I would say on here, is that Shadow of the Tomb Raider is only nominated once. That's surprising to me, um, mostly because for me, I look at it from like the technical advancements in that game and what that game looks like. And I mean, that was like our premier game to show off ray tracing technology and PC mm-hmm. gaming. And so I expected it to see make more of a splash from that angle. But I guess people just weren't digging it so much. It's nominated for Best Action Adventure. And then that's it that I can see. Yeah, sorry, I, see I think
3: it.
0: that that game suffered tragically from being under the wheel of Spider-Man. And it was really unfortunate because, you know, we – um well, I personally did a lot of work with the Tomb Raider team over the convention season, hosting multiple panels for them and really kind of getting to know that team. And I was super excited for that game, and I really enjoyed it. You know, um, from start to finish, I thought it was a really well-done game and, as you mentioned, made some significant improvements – In the franchise, adding things and really kind of balancing out the action and the exploration, especially that new um, difficulty slider system that they put Mm -hmm. in that really lets you tailor the experience to your personal play style. But I think that what it just suffered from was that there was just so much competition in that kind of open world action adventure space this year Mm -hmm. that there was just not enough people that played it. That's probably what it came down to. I
3: would say that, and I love Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I think it's my favorite Tomb Raider game, but I feel like it didn't do anything remarkable. It didn't reinvent itself like Mm -hmm. God of War did, for example, and Spider-Man. But I'm with you. Like, personally, it's one of my top games of the year. It was really fun, but I think from a critical perspective, it makes sense.
1: Yeah, is there any kind of category for um, specifically, like, visual tech? In a game you know, or graphics? The
0: only There used to be a best animation category, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, like in the first year of the Game Awards, I would have to go back and double check that. But right
3: now, um, there There's, is... I guess art direction. Best art direction for yeah. outstanding creative and technical achievement in artistic design and animation. I think that's the closest we have.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised not to see a nod there. Not that I think it would have beat out God of War, which I thought just looked absolutely stunning, or Red Dead, for that matter, or Odyssey. Um, we've just, we've been very lucky this year. It's been a good yes, year. It's, we've yeah, yes, we've been blessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It is definitely a good year to be a gamer. Um I'm trying to look at these other um, categories. One of the um, categories that I thought was really difficult for us when we were kind of thinking of nominations was the difference between a best action game and best action adventure game. Mm -hmm. Because it feels like so many of these games split the fence there, that Mm. they are both and that you could qualify them as both. And that's um, something that we really struggled with Does it make sense that a game like Far Cry is considered only an action game and not an action adventure game?
3: No, because action adventure here is described the best action adventure games combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of traversal in Far Cry 5. Puzzle solving, not so much. It seems like best action game translates to best shooter. If you look at the the games that were nominated... Well I'm saying though, because if you look at the game's nominate Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Dead Cells, Destiny 2, Far Cry Five, and then I guess Mega Man Eleven, that doesn't count.
2: So Well, Dead Cells is Dead Cells is also not it's like Dead Cells is a side scrolling sort of like a Right. Metroidvania kind of So action
3: shooter category. I don't know. That was confusing. It's weird.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't know. If you're trying to differentiate between action and action adventure game, to me I would think about the play mechanics. Like, which games had the better action mechanics? And then I put them maybe in the action category. But you're right, it definitely crosses lines.
2: Yeah. It's messy. I think they just keep it there so that they can nominate more games.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Something interesting (laughs) to note is that when we submitted our ballot, we submitted nominations for best handheld game. (gasps) And we actually, technically, for what's good games, uh, deferred on this category because we did not have the minimum three games required to submit a nomination in that category. And we struggled with this last year because we said, isn't this just essentially like the best Switch game category? And the Game Awards clarified to us that um, Switch is considered a mainstream console. It is not considered a handheld only. Oh. So I was like, so basically you're talking about best 3DS game. But Yeah, because mobile already here, has its own
1: category.
2: Right,
0: mm-hmm. but I'm noticing here that the best handheld didn't make it, so I'm guessing that <laughs> many outlets like us probably did not submit because there just haven't been enough 3DS exclusive titles that have been released in order mm. to you know, garner mm-hmm. a nomination, which I think is indicative that the 3DS's life cycle is probably
1: at its end. I mean, well, I hope well. so. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, switches. Is- Switch is killing it on all fronts. Like, when you said best handheld, immediately my thought was Octopath Traveler. Um, yeah, right. But you're, you can certainly dock it in TV mode and play it on a TV. So I guess
2: not. I, I don't yeah. know. My Switch has never been docked. <laughs> Ever? Wait, never? Never. Poor never. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Poor
1: thing. I only it just wants mine. to rest
0: in its cradle every once in a
1: while. <laughs> <laughs> I only dock mine for streaming,
3: if I'll be honest.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. The only
3: time. I don't know. All I know is I'm docking the shit out of that bitch when Pokemon comes out on Friday. Playing on that projector. You play on the big screen. 120 inch. Let's go. Oh my god. Got it. Mm. Wait, which which, uh, which Pokemon are you going to get, Britt? I have Pikachu. Jason has Eevee. But we're going to play what I want to play, which is going to be Pikachu. Okay. Pikachu. Just because, yeah, like, I, I've never... I get that Eevee's incredible because it can turn into a million different things, but I just don't have that obsession with Eevee that I feel like the rest of the world has. To be honest. I have the
2: Eevee obsession.
3: I get that Pikachu's iconic, but, you know, eh, give me coughing. Give me l- Pikachu, like, yeah, give me Pokemon, let's I go coughing. I love how much
2: you love coughing. You love the most toxic Pokemon. <laughs> I love the, derpy, the derpy ones. But anyway. I, I like wish you had your coughing with you so we could see it, but it's I not know. there, I'm no. guessing.
0: Um, One last thing I want to touch on before we move on to some other news, um, because we don't want to spend the entire segment on the Game Awards, um, is the content creator of the year category. So clearly this category has changed uh, since the last, what, four years? As you guys are aware, I was nominated in this category last year when it was called Trending Gamer. Woo, 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 woo. And due to all of the fiascos um, around the category, basically meaning the popularity contest of that category ultimately became about, like, whose audience is the biggest that can gather the most amount of votes and not about the actual content itself. The Game Awards decided to change this category. But I would argue (laughs) it's probably still the same that it was. There is also a separate um, content creator for good nomination process that the game awards did this year that i imagine they're going to be giving out as a single award that's not voted upon Mm -hmm. that the game awards uh selection committee is going to look at all of the submissions and go this is the person that we want to give that um award to it's not going to be voted upon which is probably the right call that they kind of editorialize that award much like a like a Whatever, uh, I'm trying to think of like a lifetime achievement award kind of category, right? Mm -hmm. Where that's not voted upon or there's no kind of metric that decides that. That's just like the editorial choice of the people who run the awards. But the content creators that are here are pretty much all streamers. And I thought it was interesting because somebody wrote into Games Daily earlier this week asking, are streamers really content creators? And Would you consider somebody, you know, how could you put somebody who just turns on their computer and starts playing a game? How can you compare them next to somebody who does gameplay capture and editing and graphics work and all of that? And I was like, this is an interesting idea because I've been in the content creation business for quite a long time. And I, of course, wholeheartedly would say absolutely streamers are content creators. You don't just turn on your computer (laughs) or your console and start streaming. That's not the way it works. I mean, you can do that, but that's not how you become a successful streamer. There is so much more that goes into building your audience, creating programming, deciding what kind of games you want to stream, working with PR in the background, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to get your ladies' opinions as fellow creators about what you think about this category and who's in it and really what the phrase content creator means.
3: I I appreciate this category. I'm wondering if going forward, though, it should be called streamer of the year and maybe – influential gamer doing awesome things for the industry Sorry, i know this is now answering your question but i'll get to it i promise um like influential gamer doing amazing awesome things for the industry and if you look at some of the folks that we nominated like steven spawn from able gamers Khalif adams from spawn i mean people who are doing some really good work for this industry and the health of this industry and the culture of this industry um that's just my little rant i feel like we need to kind of split this and define these two different categories but again I'm going to echo exactly what you said, Andrea. I agree. It's not like you're just turning on a computer and talking about a game. Like You can do that, like you said, but it's so much effort that goes into that to make it constant that people actually want to consume. And you're putting out content. So damn it. That is content creation.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to echo that. I think that it, for me, at least as a creator, anything that I live stream is heavier on the pre-production end versus anything that's pre-recorded and then I have a ton of post-production to do. There's still both a lot of work, just different exactly. types of work. So I would definitely say that they're all creators. Um but the, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of in, uh, in the Streamy Awards, they always have Creator of the Year, Channel of the Year. And uh, for a while, they were also separating into Audience Choice Creator of the Year, Audience Choice Channel of the Year. And I think some years they even made those just Audience Choice Awards, which is a little bit more transparent because I think that communicates, hey, whoever's following is the biggest. Like whoever can motivate their people is going to win the audience choice award, and it's still the audience choice creator of the year, or whatever you want to name it. Um, but maybe that's a little bit more uh, communicative of what the award actually is.
2: Mm-hmm. Steimer, any thoughts? Just a, just a plus one to what Trisha just said. There you go. <laughs>
0: i mean i think we all know that this is ninja's award to lose anyway because he's just been so on fire this year that anybody nominated against him is unfortunately probably like doesn't have a chance even though um friend of the show greg miller likes to remind everybody that he won against pewdiepie
2: yeah but Um, pewdiepie (laughs) also didn't i don't ever think ever talk about it yeah yeah why would he? He was too busy counting his pile yeah, of money. So, like, <laughs> Ninja, Ninja could lose here if he doesn't care about it. Do you right? think like, so? Yeah. Who do you think I, he would lose to? I mean, whoever cares the most. Again, like, it's just like, <laughs> if one of these other people is like, no, I'm going to actually campaign for this and yeah. tell my audience to go constantly... That, and Ninja is just never talking about it. A lot of those kids aren't going to watch the Game Awards. Like, his audience is very young. So unless he tells them to do this, they aren't going to find this on their own. But like, yeah, that's fair. If, if he doesn't activate, then uh, he could lose it. But it would be similar, yeah, to Greg's win against PewDiePie, where it's like... It's really just because you didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, that's and that's that's the case with a lot of awards like this. Like I had a friend who was obsessed with being on FHM's top one hundred and she like campaigned hard every day, the whole dang thing, and did really well because of that. But I'm sure there were other people on that list that were like, eh that mm-hmm. didn't do so well because of that. So it's you know, like I like I said, audience choice I think is a clearer picture of what's going on. hmm Yes. I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, I, I was definitely disappointed to see some of the people that we nominated didn't make it on the list, but not surprising. And all, and just for the record, not discounting any of the people who got their mm-hmm. nominations. These are all creators that have been in the space for a long time. Mm-hmm. Some of them have just had some crazy meteoric rises in this past year and absolutely deserve it. Um, I just recently um, started looking at some of Myths content um obviously he's been creating content for quite some time but he like Ninja um became a Fortnite creator early in the year and went from like 100,000 subs in January to you know millions of subs and followers now which is crazy to think about cuz generally that takes brands you know years not months to create that kind of a following so It's going to be interesting to see um, how this content or how this category is going to change at this time next year because it was quite a diverse field of people, I think, in the Trending Gamer nomination Mm -hmm. um, selection last year versus here. I think these people, while obviously diverse as people, all kind of make similar-ish content, Mm -hmm. um, meaning they all kind of stream the same types of games in their space. Well, for the most part. I don't want to overgeneralize. But – Good luck to all of the nominees. Of course, the Game Awards happening Thursday, December 6th. Brittany and I will be there, and so we'll try to um, maybe vlog or something from the Game Awards to uh, give you guys some content. But keep an eye out for our Game Awards special episode, where, of course, we encourage you to play along as we pick our favorite winners. So... Moving on to some other news Before we go into our first break Quickly here I just wanted to touch on this We don't need to talk about it too much But I thought it was fascinating That the U.S. Army Wants to attract more soldiers By fielding a Fortnite team And this uh, write-up comes from Polygon Hey, listen They're down on numbers They need to recruit somehow As first reported by Stars and Stripes An independent news organization with operates from within The Department of Defense The Army esports team Is currently accepting applications From active duty personnel reservists and veterans. An online form indicates that there is an interest in fielding teams for Fortnite, Call of Duty: Tekken, League of Legends, Player Unknowns Battlegrounds, Overwatch, FIFA, and the Madden series along with NBA 2K franchise. In an interview with an Army recruiting station in Slidell, Slidel, Louisiana, Staff Sergeant Ryan Moe said, "The goal was to use esports in furthering the Army's brand and boosting recruitment." And that will begin in December with an internal Tekken 7 tournament. The winner will represent the Army at PAX South in January 2019. Can we hold the phone? The Army has an eSports team? (laughs) I did not know. This is amazing. I kind of love it.
1: I'm way into it. Like, way to go. I think that's great. Also, it makes me feel very Ender's Game.
2: Like, I feel like if they're using it in recruitment. (laughs) Oh. Oh, we're, we're secretly, secretly think about training that way you. <laughs> it's real now.
0: So I'm good! Uh, what a time to that be alive!
4: Cool.
0: Yeah. Hey, more- you know what? We need to get people in. Mm-hmm. Young people are not motivated at all to join the armed forces, and I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, my mom. I come from a military family. I've said this multiple times on the show. My mom was in the Air Force. My grandfather also was in the Air Force. When I was getting ready to graduate high school, my mom gave me the pitch of like, hey, right out of high school, I went into the Air Force. You could consider joining the military and getting your college paid for and and going into media relations in the military because she knew I wanted to be uh, going to journalism and on-camera TV reporting. She's like, people in the armed forces
2: have to do that. And I was just like, yeah, but boot camp mom <laughs> no legit so my uh i also come from a military family my dad was in the navy and he like he i would love to have seen him in boot camp because he and i are very similar personalities and like if someone is yelling at me or telling me what to do i'm like fuck you leave me alone um, <laughs> and like we do not respond well to that and he actually, I think, tried to get out of going through boot camp, <laughs> and they were like, "No, get the fuck out! Like you're doing it." And he was like, Shit. Okay. "Fine,
3: <laughs> I'll do it." Yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
0: And when the crazy part now is that people pay to go to boot camp. Barrys. <clears throat> uh- oh hey. <laughs> that was good. That was
2: a good singer. I'll take it. Um, I did a singer. Uh,
0: uh, I know when you texted me at five thirty a.m. I was like, "She must be going to bed." <laughs> Jesus Christ, girl!
3: Yes, <laughs> I well respect is. you. Ooh.
0: Um, so I just thought that this was interesting that um, they're using esports and video games to recruit. Hey, more power to you. Use whatever tool you have necessary, uh, you know, at your disposal to get people involved. It is a great honor to serve this country, and I think not enough young people consider it. Um, myself included. So uh next story. Couple ordered to pay Nintendo twelve million dollars for running illegal ROM sites. So this write up comes from Game Informer, an Arizona couple, Jacob Um Matthias, Matthias, Matthias. I Matthias and uh, Christian Matthias have been ordered to pay over $12 million to Nintendo for running pirated ROM sites, loveroms.com and loveretro.co. The couple admitted to copyright and trademark infringement and allegedly settled on the lofty judgment rather than risk losing more in a suit Nintendo brought forth in July. Many have speculated that the high figure is meant to deter other sites from offering pirated ROMs, and indeed, many other sites have shut down following Nintendo's legal action. Love ROMs once offered pirated ROMs of games like Pokemon Yellow, Donkey Kong Country, and Mario Kart 64. The site has since shut down and now only offers a simple message titled, Apology to Nintendo. <laughs> oh, whoops, they the ruling is a major coup for Nintendo who will take ownership of the sites and receive all Nintendo games and hardware still in the couple's possession. The ruling also included a permanent injunction ensuring the couple will not infringe on Nintendo's copyrighted material ever again. I
3: have the Ooh, apology. Wow. I have the apology up right here. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Do it. Someone needs to play some very sad music behind me. Our website, loveroms.com slash loveretro.co previously offered and performed unauthorized copies of Nintendo games in violation of Nintendo's copyrights and trademarks, loveroms.com slash loveretro.co acknowledges that it caused harm to Nintendo, its partners, and customers by offering infringing copies of Nintendo games and has agreed to cease all such activities. To access legitimate Nintendo games online, please visit www.nintendo.com for information about the Nintendo no game store
1: wow what? Wah, wah, wah. this feels so, to me like okay i'm gonna take it way back but this feels to me like when people started getting busted for downloading music on napster oh dude yes. like, oh, yeah. yeah. right yeah. yeah because you thought like yeah 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 i know it's illegal but like everybody's doing it, and, you know, from (laughs) your pursuit, you're like, I'm not hurting anyone, so it's cool. And I'm sure, like, this couple was like, hey, I figured out how to do it, no big deal. So I think this is a huge coup for Nintendo, and it definitely might make other people think twice. Oh, yeah, so many other websites. $12 million?
0: I don't have $12 million. Can we talk about this number for a second? (laughs) They agreed to settle... Agreed to settle on twelve million dollars. Either this is gonna completely bankrupt this couple and Nintendo knows that they're never gonna be able to collect this money. They're just doing it out
2: of principle. Or they made a hell of a lot of money running ROMs on the internet. So Wait, I was I, looking- like, are they selling them? I thought they would just be giving them as freeware. I
1: don't know how that I don't know if they're, they're selling probably
2: it or not. my guess would be giving them as
1: freeware, but maybe running ads on the site and making uh, money maybe off running ads on the site.
3: Maybe. So I was I was looking into this and it sounds like obviously, number one, I think this is a scare tactic to say, hey, motherfuckers, you're going to keep doing this. We are going to uh, sue you for twelve million dollars or you'll settle for twelve million dollars. And obviously other websites are probably now second guessing their ROM business. But also, it sounds like this is what you see on paper behind the scenes, behind closed doors, they actually probably settle for much, much less. And that's typical in these sorts of things. I was reading an example where someone was sued for $18 million and they settled for $4 million, which, don't get me wrong, that is still an enormous amount of money that many people will never, ever see in their entire life. But I'm sure that, that's just one example, I guess, of how this is more of a scare tactic probably than anything else.
0: But sure of I'll, course i mean yeah uh, go but ahead Brittany. They already
3: settled on it right so my understanding is is that this is what they're settling on but behind like this isn't actually what they're going to end up paying out i don't know if that's actually how it works i don't know but that's I mean, what people are th- saying th- i
2: think it's only that they can't pay it because i don't think even if you ran ads on this site that you would have made no. 12 million dollars on fucking it's, it's a- unfortunate according
0: to the final judgment the, so, if you click on the, one of the links in the story there, it takes you to the actual plaintiff versus uh, Jacob Matthias and Christian Matthias, husband and wife, Matthias Designs LLC. Um, it says that the amount, the total amount, plaintiff is hereby awarded judgment against all defendants jointly and severally in the amount of $12,230,000. And
3: then here's the read up from Torrent. At Freak. least
2: it's the LLC, right? So, like, it's going to. Damage, it's not them, so it'll bankrupt the LLC, yes. And then they'll
0: Nintendo will never actually see this money, would be my guess. Correct, so right. just That's for exactly research
1: it. purposes, I just looked up uh, a site that is like com. So I'm currently sitting on emulator.online. No, don't tell them what it is. They're going to listen to it and just shut it down. Well, I, a quick Google search game. It was not hard to find. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Nintendo's legal has just, a, a, co- a
0: comprehensive list. I'm sure they do.
1: Yeah, you can pick which console uh, mm-hmm. library of games you'd like to access and play them all right through the website for free using Flash.
3: There you go. That's what's yeah, going on right here. Obviously, you know, this is Nintendo. It's their company. These are their properties. They have the right to do anything they want, however they want. I also think that it raises and, you know, I guess I'm looking at it from a consumer perspective where if people want to play these games. If people want to play these old school Super Nintendo games and they have no other means to do it, what do you think is going to happen? People are going to buy the emulators. People are going to buy the ROMs. They're going to buy the cartridges and put them on their Super Nintendo I mean, I've done that with Mother Three because uh, hello, it has, has not come out yet. Nintendo, Shh, what are you doing? Sue you!
1: That's
3: do fine. It. It's fine. It's fine. If I if I have to bankrupt this company because of Nintendo ROM, it's okay. Wow, what? what? No, Me, man, going hard. It's a way to how go. How Dare out. you? It's okay, baby girl. We'll have this conversation off <laughs> oh camera. Oh my god. Oh, no, <laughs> obviously I'm joking. Oh, but how you want to bankrupt us <laughs> over over Mother Three? I am so passionate about Mother Three. I'm not. No. I'm not. Please don't <laughs> no. make it up with Nintendo. Please love us. Just send us copies of your games. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate because I mean there are so many quality old Nintendo titles out there, especially with the lack of Virtual Console on the Switch. I mean, you can get the NES Classic, the SNES Classic, and there are some fantastic games on there, but those aren't going to be updated with other games. And it sounds like right now your best bet is to get Nintendo Switch Online and then just play whatever Nintendo uploads there. I wish there was a super duper easy solution. I wish this was considered to be okay because if people want to play games that came out in 1995 that they can't buy anywhere else then i don't know
0: i'm i'm with you in the sense that video game preservation and historical video games are an issue that we as an industry need to address there are a couple champions for video game history and maintaining That we need to keep a comprehensive library of all of the video games ever created, and that's difficult to do. And it's challenging when Nintendo has a ruling like this because you would hope that maybe they would designate somebody as like the historian of Nintendo games to be like, we're going to keep a ROM of every single Nintendo game ever published and this is the one source that you can go to and that perhaps they have like a, a royalty system in place, right? Mm-hmm. Where Nintendo says, we're going to take the bulk of these profits and we're going to pay a royalty to the people to maintain this library and to maintain the site. I would like to see something like that occur maybe. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm with you that there, we don't want to lose some of these games to time, you know? Mm-hmm. There's so many... Um, preservation or ways to preserve other forms of media whether it's music or movies or books but video games is a lot more challenging just because of the type of medium it is so I hope that this doesn't affect or have ripples in that sense as far as preserving games for historical purposes but we've seen Nintendo develop aggressive monetization strategies for their content creator program on platforms like YouTube. So it's not surprising at all to me that they're mm-hmm. like, this is our content. If we're not making the money off of it, nobody's making money on it. But in fact, but maybe pay there's some, some kind of... Dollars. Yeah, but maybe <laughs> some kind of profit sharing thing is in place Well, Nintendo comes in and says, yo, we're going to take like 95% of your profits from this and we'll give you just enough to keep it running and maybe a little extra... Maybe that would be a solution, but I don't know. I don't think so. They're a Japanese company. I'm sure they're just like, give us our money. It's our product. And like to they be quite honest, like,
1: yeah, it's their thing. Yeah, they, they made they, it. They, they created it. That, and there are a ton of people out there that have made their own nes classics for better use of it where they just bought a raspberry pi put a ton Mm -hmm. of roms on there and have their own little mini system um so it's definitely a problem that if nintendo wants to crack down on it i guess their only resource is intimidation
0: Yeah. yeah you
3: know Oh, so
0: I guess uh, watch your back if you've got a ROM site. <laughs> um, I want to I wanna keep moving here because um, we have three more things to cover before we get to the break and so we got to try to cover them re- relatively quickly.
3: Um, holy shitballs Detective Pikachu. Brittany, take it from here. Oh my god. Alright, so that is all of my commentary. Okay, this comes from Polygon. The new trailer for Detective Pikachu doesn't just bring the world of Pokemon games to life. It gives us a new glimpse uh, of how the real world would look if the creatures walked among us in every day life my life goal and it means that and that means incredibly realistic Pokemon very very (laughs) realistic Pokemon like oh my god I didn't realize Pikachu would have hair Pokemon
2: of course he would have hair you think he's gonna be like a lizard what do you think his skin (laughs) texture is (laughs) Ah, he's a mouse of course he is
3: for detective Pikachu is based on the Nintendo 3ds game of the same title which showcased a new side of the Pokemon world one where Pokemon solve crimes instead of battle the trailer shows Tim and the main character of the game searching for his missing father before he stumbles upon a very particular Pikachu who can talk the catch only Tim can understand the Pikachu the two embark on a mission to find Tim's dad Q adventure hijinks and more real looking Pokemon the iconic Pikachu is voiced in motion captured by none other than Ryan Reynolds, and Tim is played by Justice Smith of Jurassic Kingdom, Fallen World. Ken Watanabe—did I say that right? Joins us, Detective Yoshida. Okay, I'm, I'm. sorry, I'm terrible. Detective That's Yoshida, okay. Rita Ora, Suki Waterhouse, and Bill Nighy fill out the human side of the Bill cast. Bill Nighy. I thought I saw it. my contacts aren't working. No, no, it's okay, it's all good. <laughs> While there have been no okay. While there have been many animated Pokemon films, Legendary Pictures, Pacific Rim, Godzilla is the first company to realize Pokemon a I love action cast, and it comes out May 9th, 2019. Anyway, holy shit balls. Just in
2: time, it's about birthday weekend ish. So hell yeah. Let's get oh, drunk and go watch the second so
0: I did not think I was gonna like this movie at all, and then I saw the trailer and was like oh my god,
3: I think I have to start playing Pokemon now so I understand about the Pokemon in this movie. No, no, you don't yes. have to play it. And that's the thing is you don't have to play Pokemon to understand this movie. Because if we were if we were talking about the very first Pokemon, Pokemon movie or some of the recent ones that have come out, I would say, sure, you're going to be like, what the hell is this cheesy bullshit? And I'm going to say it's glorious cheesy bullshit, but it's probably not for you. This, I think, is going to appeal to people. Like you, Andrea, who are like Pokemon. eh, Oh my God, this movie makes me want to play the game, and I think this is going to be the perfect gateway movie. I think this movie is going to end with Ash Ketchum.
2: Calling oh, it right now. No, Ooh. no, no, yes. because in this world they don't battle.
3: Yeah, the, there's battles in the in the trailer. Oh, is it just is it just that the, it's the, the sky it's doesn't th- battle? It's the arena. Yeah, this guy doesn't battle. If you, cause if you're, if you watch the trailer, there are posters well, on talks his- talks about
2: being a trailer. Oh, there is yeah. a, there is an arena. You're There's right. There's an
3: arena and there are posters on the wall of like Steelix versus Onyx or whatever it was. I can't remember. So I think this game, this movie, as the credits roll, you're gonna see someone and they're gonna be like, Ash, catch him. And he's gonna turn around and we're gonna be like, oh my god. And then she's gonna hit the <laughs> fan. It's gonna be so good but I am very I feel excited like post credit scene or something I'm so excited if you can't tell yeah so this game detect- is based off of Detective Pikachu which is the game that came out in 2016 in Japan it came out March of this year in the US and it takes place in Rhyme City which is known for its Pokemon Carnival it has every year and it is lore that Rhyme City is within the same world as all the games that we have played we don't know the exact location of it so it'll be interesting to see how they tie this in and oh my god I am so goddamn excited <laughs>
0: I love how a lot of people on social media were equating Pikachu with a friendlier version of Ted, the
2: ah. cuddly oh, yeah.
0: animated teddy bear that was voiced by Seth MacFarlane, if you guys ever saw that movie, which yep. I I love Ted. Um, and I was like, I'd never thought about it that way, but it does kind of feel that way because Ryan Reynolds just has that quippiness in his delivery and his comedic timing that feels so good and then i saw somebody tweeted to me um pika pool and it was this 3d model of pikachu in a deadpool suit oh my god yes. because ryan reynolds
2: of course it also plays deadpool and oh. I was also like, played green lantern Dude. this man just does whatever he wants well no
0: if you watched Deadpool 2 they wrap that whole thing up Oh yeah oh I <laughs> yeah, they actually. like erase that
1: from existence Oh yeah well it's really funny that.
0: actually also next time you're in town let's watch Deadpool 2 it's super
3: good Sounds good super good. good super good Oh my god though I'm just so excited That's all in the trailer they have like 20 different pokemon you see all of them all looking it's realistic It's crazy cuz
2: like oh Mr. My god. Mime has hair Jigglypuff. Like this should not work, right? On paper, this shouldn't work. This should be a fucking trash fire, but it looks so good. I was like super excited watching this trailer. Yeah, it really does work well, and
3: I agree with you, Cyber. Even though I played over in my head, I'm like, this still should not work. This still should not work. But by the time I saw the end of the trailer, I was so I was like, oh my god, this is this is gonna work. And it's just, oh, I don't know. I think this is just really cool. I mean, I've I've enjoyed all the other movies we had, all the animated ones, but. To see Pokemon do something like this, and I feel like it's going to have a lot of references in it that are adult references that maybe the children will understand. That's just kind of the tone I'm feeling from this. I feel like it's not going to be the super cheesy, friendship can overpower anything movie. It's going to be more realistic, and especially with Pokemon. Wait, what happening. do you
2: mean? You think friendship can't overcome any problems?
3: I mean, I, I, I'm a realist, I'm an optimist, but I'm not stupid. No, I can't. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this no. is gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. And like I said, Mister Mime has hair on his head. He tells Pikachu to shove it. I'm just all about this. All about yes. it. Yes. Well, oh, percent. Pokemon's
1: a very beloved IP, so it's the right time, I think, to Dude. go this route and cash in on it for Hollywood
3: with this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, the mar- releasing the trailer right now. But for Pokemon, let's go. Brilliant. This is coming out next May. Rumor is the next Pokemon game's coming out next holiday season. It's just going to be fucking awesome. Get up!
0: <laughs> we will definitely be going to see this for sure. Um, now I'm going to just briefly mention this because we didn't get a lot of news about it. But Harry Potter Wizards Unite new details emerge this week. So this is the game, and um, so. The- This is right up from um, IGN that Niantic and WB Games have officially announced that Wizards Unite will arrive in 2019 and released a new trailer and website that reveal a little bit more detail about the game. The game places players in the role of witches and wizards working for the statute... The Statute of Secrecy Task Force, aiming to erase traces of magic from the Muggle world to stop the calamity. You will hone lightning-fast wand reflexes, reads the website, an ability to sniff out the faintest whiff of magical disorder from afar and proficiency, proficiency in advanced casting of multiple spells. The trailer shows a witch casting an immobilizing spell on a rogue golden snitch. So it's not hard to see how Pokemon Go's caption mechanics could translate. So we were super excited about this game when it was first announced. The idea that we're essentially getting a Harry Potter Pokemon Go. It's from Niantic, the people who make Pokemon Go. So it's not like a knockoff game. This is like the real deal. And it features all of the Harry Potter lore. The thing I'm nervous about (laughs) There's a lot to be
3: nervous about. You're fine.
0: Yes. Is that... (laughs) Why are we in the role of witches and wizards working for this secrecy task force aiming to erase traces of magic from the Muggle world? That seems to me like an angle of the Harry Potter universe that is like the non-fun angle, like... Hey, we're like the fun police here to kill the fun. <laughs> we're not here to like embrace the magic community and be a wizard out in the world. We're here to, to dampen down the magic in the world. It's so muggles don't know, Andrea. We don't I know. know. Am I reading this wrong, you think? Am I reading the wrong thing into it?
1: Yeah, I mean- I, I, That's what my question would be. What were you hoping for?
0: I was hoping for just a true blue, like, we're in the world of Harry Potter out catching mystical creatures and casting spells. So,
1: like, a Fantastic Beasts Go. Exactly. Mm. I feel like that would be too similar to Pokemon Go. I think they're trying to make it, That's like Steimer was saying, like more realistic and that the people around you who aren't playing still exist. And they're the muggles. So, you're in the know. And anyone else who's playing is in the know. So, you're kind of, like, in a secret club if you're a player but all the civilians yeah. and muggles
2: still Damn exist cities. and
1: you got to keep the secret yeah i feel
2: like uh, that's well, what we, they're going for it's also, true you were like we were really excited about this i'm like i was not excited about this i um, love harry Potter, and i not but excited but about this i'm yeah. not excited
3: yeah i mean
1: you <laughs> know i rarely gets excited about anything hey it. that is not true <laughs> That is just inherently not true. I'm, I'm actually with you, Steimer. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Been a huge Harry Potter fan since like the first book came out, um, and I was just like,
3: "Cool, Harry Potter, go!" I will, I will, I will ride with you, Andrea, and also say I'm very excited about this because Wait, I don't want you to be not? alone. You don't
0: have to ride with me
3: like on false pretenses. Hey, I'm a, I'm a ride or die friend here. But what I will say. Is you know she never answered (laughs) if she's actually excited or not. (laughs) I I just answered the question, are you actually excited or not? I I am nervously excited. Does that make sense? That's a no. no That's a no No I am going to play the shit out of this. I am looking forward to playing this. However, my expectations are, are just very low because of you know wh- wh- okay. what Pokemon Go was when it launched. And Niantic can create a very fun experience. I spent far too much money on it. But it, it took two years, and we're still not getting everything that was promised in that launch trailer. All I'm saying. Also, I want to know more about this Avalanche uh, studio- I- uh software. Avalanche software, I think is what it was. The rumored Pokemon. Uh, Harry Potter game that... Remember yes, the that summer? one looks yeah. more,
2: more mm-hmm. interesting than whatever this yeah, is di- different story we'll different have
0: story. To find out
3: more about that, that, that that's the one, one I'm maybe, very excited about maybe that's... we'll get
0: a real debut trailer
3: at the game awards Who knows? oh man now that one I will go Ooh. on record of saying I am very excited about that one yes that would be very exciting ner- 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 nervously excited for this one
0: Okay. Well, be nervously excited. Um, <laughs> speaking of nervous, I don't know. That's a terrible segue. Um, I'm just going to quickly run down some of the, <laughs> the announcements that happened at the XO 18 and what happened last week. By the way. If you guys missed our What's Good Games crossover with Kind of Funny, Steimer dubbed it the Kind of Good crossover. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Accurate. It was a shit show. We were not anticipating having to drink that much, but because we opened up the stream for donations to Kind of Funny's Extra Life effort, my kind and caring husband donated – many hundreds of dollars for the big beautiful kids in the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals and because of that we had to drink shots of Fernet. Fernet? Fernet. 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 Fernet.
3: That's the word. I remember Um, when it was miserable. I remember when John donated we took the first shot and then I remember toward the end we took another shot and I don't remember You took a shot because all of you were wrong and I was right. Oh that's right. That's right. Ah. That's true. Um, We're not going to go too far down the rabbit hole because we could talk a
0: lot and we Mm -hmm. have to end the first segment. (laughs) Um about that stream. But please, if you missed it, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. That's at uh, youtube youtube.com slash kind of funny games or you can watch the archive at twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. And I believe they uploaded our reactions as an individual individual podcast as well. Mm-hmm. But just some of the announcements. Um, Void Bastards was a new game that they announced from the one of the former directors of Bioshock uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is available on Xbox Game Pass Sea of Thieves announced a new uh, PvP mode Xbox One is getting mouse and keyboard support which we already knew was happening but they announced it with Fortnite and Warframe which was very interesting uh, Microsoft also announced they acquired Wasteland Maker in Exile Entertainment and they acquired Obsidian entertainment plus they gave a release date finally for crackdown 3 which is coming on february 15th 2018 and this week they announced that xbox game pass subscribers now have the ability to preload and pre-install games so that they're playable as soon as they're released yes that this um trish is clapping for people who are, <laughs> are listening on, on on audio um Let's see here. I have a quote here from Mike Yabara who tweeted. He, of course, is the Xbox Program Management Corporate Vice President. That's a mouthful. Um, One of the biggest asks we had for Game Pass was to allow preload so you can download and be ready to play or to, and be ready the second launch happens. It's available now and starts with Crackdown 3 on Xbox and Windows. Wait, what does that mean? It's available now and starts with Crackdown. The preloading? I guess that means that they don't have any other new launches that are coming to Game Pass before the end of the year. Yeah, maybe that's the Which would make sense because the next, because the next Xbox exclusive is in February. But
2: the next Game Pass game is Battlegrounds, PUBG, next week. Right, but that's not a preload because that game's already out. Does that make sense? Oh, I
0: see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, can yeah, already yeah. download PUBG yeah. on your Xbox. You can't download Crackdown. Crackdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crackdown. So, Steimer, as our yeah. resident Crackdown fan,
2: are you excited? I'm still, of course, I'm excited. I was like, <laughs> the only one excited on the stream. I felt really lonely, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, y'all were like, whatever, and I'm like, it's Crackdown. I'm so excited. Let's do Crackdown. Uh, but yeah, I I just want to play this game. I've wanted to just play this game for a while, so I'm. You want to destroy things? I do. Crackdown is like it's like one of those rage rooms that they have, where you just get to break shit. Have you ever Mm. been to one of those? No, but I really want to go. Do you want to go? Yeah, let's go to one. Okay. They have to (laughs) have them. We're in Los Angeles where they have all the crazy stuff. They absolutely have them in LA. I have already scoped it out. We will go. Okay. I love it. Perfect. Okay. Amazing. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're not going
0: to go too much into any of these other announcements. Like I mentioned, we have to take a, take a quick break, but it was, uh, an interesting experience. um, watching this live stream i think our anticipate our expectations were set in the right place for the types of announcements we got if you want to hear the rest of our thoughts please do check out the episode that we shot with kind of funny games and on that note we're going to take our first break of the show sorry this is a long one the game awards of course all those nominees uh we had to spend quite a bit of time on when we come back we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And man, Trisha, the list of what you've been playing is long. Um, so it's, stick with this lady because and I'm like
1: very ADD with my gaming. I can't stay on one game for any length of this time.
0: This is clear, but you, she's going to talk about <laughs> several games uh, when we come back right after this short break. Welcome back everybody it is segment two of the what's good games podcast we hope you enjoyed that break maybe got yourself a nice tasty beverage because we're going to be talking about video games that we've been playing uh we don't have a sponsor for this segment this week outside of everything we talked about at the top of the show meaning our fantastic merch store please again do go check that out and uh, we mentioned briefly that Trisha had played quite a few games, <laughs> so we're going to start with you. Ooh. Which of these games would you like to discuss? Because I I don't even know where where to begin
1: here. <laughs> okay, well you know what? Um, I don't I I don't know what you guys have covered on the show so far. So let me try. Well, to go. we. Haven't really gone into
0: Life is Strange 2 at all because we're kind of saving that for our spoiler cast, which is going to happen right before Episode 2 comes
1: out. So we we can maybe skip that. As you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, it's also only the first chapter. We need the whole story, I feel like, to take that. Um, So, I mean, I'll just quickly say that I'm super addicted to Cook, Serve, Delicious 2. What is this game? No good reason. It is the most realistic restaurant sim. That's ever uh, happened. That's what people say about the now. first Cook Serve Delicious, and this is the second one. It's it, it, really
3: it is. You're also playing Little Dragons Cafe, because that's kind of sort of not. I mean, not really in the same realm, but it's also a restaurant thing.
1: Well, it's funny because when I play Little Restaurant or uh, Little Dragons Cafe, and I'm still in Cook Serve Delicious mode, the two don't jive at all. <laughs> like Little Dragons Cafe is very. Harvest Moon-esque. I'm just walking around looking at exciting things. I've got this little dragon I take care of. Oh, let me farm a couple of turnips and make cool food for people. But it's like very relaxing and fun and cartoony. Whereas Cook, Serve, Delicious is high stress. Move, 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 move. How fast can you memorize all the keys on the keyboard and like make it happen? And you can remap the buttons to whatever you want. So that's part of the strategy. But it is like intense those are my streams if i stream cook serve delicious too where i like can't look at chat at all (laughs) for the purposes of the day of the restaurant um but i love games like that i don't know why i feel like because in general in life i operate best under high stress so when I play okay. games that put you in high stress, I'm like, yeah, I'm owning it. I'm killing this. This is what I do. Um, so of the focused. nachos in this game look amazing.
3: They just put chicken and black olives <laughs> and some guac. This food looks really yummy. I'm looking at this apple pie right now, and I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, this game will make you super hungry. For
1: sure, this game will make you super hungry. But yeah, that's cook, served delicious, too. Uh, it's not expensive. Go get it. The other one that I would say that I enjoyed more than I feel like the rest of the world did as we happy few did any of you guys get your hands on that B, I did yeah i uh i i i definitely got the glitchiness of it but i enjoyed the world and that's what i enjoyed from like the first chance i got to demo it or when they first put it out on early access and it was just a survival game i was like eh, the survival games part's cool i like the aesthetic. But like, what? why? What's happening in this world? Why does it look so cool? So then when they came out with it and it actually had a story and had characters, I was like, okay, thank you for that. Now I'm on board. Uh, so I've been playing a bunch of that too. And I'm yeah, okay I'm with the point, glitches.
0: Yeah, the glitches don't bother me. The part that bothers me is the kind of inconsistency or the imbalance in some of the way the mechanics work. For example... I am in the city now where everybody is on joy Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of do this pseudo stealth of being on joy. And then the moment you're not on joy, you have to immediately find a way to take more joy and... The game doesn't overtly tell you about like how to pick up joy pills and keep them. And so I was only taking joy in like the joy booths,
4: mm-hmm. which are kind of
0: like the phone booths. And so you have to find the locations of the joy booths on the map. And there's like no forgiveness.
1: Yeah. If none. you're
0: in the city and your joy runs out, everybody immediately knows you're off your joy. Like there's no there's no like, oh, I'm just gonna sneak over to the phone booth and take more joy. If you don't have any joy in your inventory, like you're just like the whole city like, comes after you immediately. <laughs> yep. And then conversely, if you accidentally take just the smidgest, tiniest bit more joy than you were supposed to have, you now have overdose, And there are side effects to being overdosed. And then you go into joy withdrawal. And I felt like the whole joy system was really punishing and really difficult to learn in the sense that the game doesn't really teach you how to balance that. Now, I'm sure there's probably somebody out there arguing, well, that's part of playing the game is to figure out the balance. But I played the game for many hours and never quite struck a a, a, a balance in that at all. How did you find it?
1: Um, I am still struggling with that myself. I feel like that's the most difficult part of the game. Did you ever get to one of the other characters' stories? No, I was only ever um, on Arthur. Sally's story, when you get to control and play as Sally, is awesome. Um, So there I agree with you. Arthur in the city is a big pain in the arse. uh, (laughs) Because if you run out of your joy, you're just sprinting to the next phone booth and hoping no one beats you in the process and trying to find (laughs) places to hide. And I feel like the part of the game before that, really instills like hey it's important to hide learn how to hide and so you make use of that when you're in the town um but in general my my thing that i'm enjoying the game for is the story and the embodiment of the different characters so sally's character not to get too spoily uh sally is kind of a pharmacist so she creates drugs like joy uh that she can use to her advantage so you kind of bypass the dependency solely on joy once you get to Sally, because I think, uh, what's her drug called? Sunshine? I think something like that. <laughs> that gives you, like, some of the more positive effects in the game of Joy without a lot of the negatives. Um, and she has drugs that you can, like, slip in other people's drinks, and it's, it's very clever. And then there's a third character you can play as as well uh, to make the game complete and get the whole story. Uh, so I'm I'm playing around with that. I know a lot of people got upset about some of the glitchiness, and some of the glitches are game-breaking. Not going to lie. Like, there's parts where you're supposed to be able to enter the next portion of the game. Like, to do that, you need a certain item, and you have the item, and the NPC is still like, you don't have this item. You're like, no. oh my god, yes I do. And it, like if you save and exit the game and then come back in, suddenly that NPC is like, oh, you have said item, and you're like, oh my god.
3: Do you know if the uh, game is still yeah. being patched and fixed and updated? Is it? That doesn't surprise know. me. I don't. I, mean, I don't I know if it is. If it is. Oh.
1: Yeah. yeah um, I. I don't know. I. I would hope so. But I'm like super so. into the yeah. aesthetic. Like I even have over here one of these.
3: Oh, nice! Did you just do be, the whole like, show with that? I so creepy, creepy
1: for yeah, everybody. So, so, terrifying. Terrifying. so for people that are listening, <gasps> audio only, I have uh, the We Happy Few uh, Jack mask. It's so the good. white and mask, yeah. Very creepy. But yeah, I'm enjoying playing around there. Um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Deadfire, Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire is great. Um, and then after BlizzCon, I went on a, another Diablo kick, which oh, I tend nice. to do. Every couple months, I fall back into Diablo, and it's, it's great. I'm not mad. It's great.
0: <laughs> it's waiting for me on my Switch. Ooh. I desperately want to play, but I have all of these other current open world games that i should finish before i go back to playing diablo on my switch like what what are you playing right now um well last night i jumped back into red dead redemption 2 which we've talked about ad nauseum on this show obviously as most people are talking about because so many people are playing it right now and it's great even though Britt, i now know what you mean when you say you've reached a point in the story where you wish you had done more open-world things before you had reached this point in the story. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Because something fundamentally changes, really, about Arthur that will dramatically impact the way you enjoy the open-world sandbox Ah. of Red Dead Redemption 2. So I would say don't rush your way through the main story if you are the type of person that really enjoys the sandbox. Spend more time in the sandbox, and then the story will wait for you. Because we were talking about how... Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 and the exploration element of that game reminds me a lot of Elder Scrolls in the sense that you have to kind of really just venture out to that part of the map to see what's over there. You may or may not be ready for it. The story may or may not be ready for you. But if you want to see it and see what's happening there, you just got to go experience it and go go ride your horse over there. And I thought that's a really cool thing that they've integrated into the game. But If you wait to do that, obviously there are certain parts of the map that you have to wait to do till you get to a certain part of the story, but I wish I had done more open world stuff before because it's for reasons I can't explain, it's just Mm -hmm. not as fun anymore. And now I feel like I am on that fast track to just get to the epilogue. Mm
1: -hmm. And that kind of sucks. But here we are. (laughs) I'm so glad that you gave that tip. Because I am the type of person that will complete the main story before I play in the sandbox. Like, I like to I, I like no. to get it done. Like, I, I got it done, checked it off, now I can mess around. Um, so I'm glad that you said that, because that's what happened to me, too, in uh, Nier Automata, if anyone played that. You mm-hmm. get too far in Near and then you can't do any of the side quests anymore. I
0: don't know how that works. I know that there are certain g- gang members' side quests, like people that are part of... Um, the Vanderlyn gang that you can't do after you progress to certain parts of the story, but I don't have a comprehensive list. I don't think it's as punishing as near's, but there are certain things that you just, if you don't do them while they're there, they just are gone. Yeah, Mm
3: -hmm. If you see the white side quest bubbles on your map and you also have a main story mission just for, to be safe, do the side missions, do the white ones because they will go away. Obviously for certain reasons at some point. Good time. Yeah. Uh,
0: so I don't want to say too much more no. about that because um, I I think we're venturing really close to spoiler territory. But um, I also have been playing a game that I'm super excited to talk about: Tetris Effect.
1: <laughs> Has anybody else played besides me? No, I get to play it tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, I host my show for Newegg, and we're going to play it on oh, the show. Good. I, and we're going to talk
0: about it a little bit more when we talk about VR in the next segment. But oh my goodness. Becky, look. I was not prepared for how fantastic this game is. And I think it's because every time that I saw it at an event or had the opportunity to maybe play this in a preview, I didn't because I'm like, it's Tetris. I know I'm going to like it. But I was not prepared for just how much I was going to like what they did with it. Because this isn't just Tetris with fancy music and light effects the way that they've incorporated the sound design and the effect design into the gameplay and how it ties together is so comprehensive in a way that I was not expecting. So, for example, a lot of the levels are themed. So it's your basic Tetris column where you're, you know, stacking the Tetraminos to create lines and wave clear, right? Like your standard Tetris gameplay. And then... On top of that, the sound effects are tied to when you're rotating the tetraminos. So as you like rotate each individual piece, the sound design will change as you're rotating and specific sounds will happen while you're rotating pieces. And then once you clear a line, the the tetraminos that are in the puzzle will sometimes, depending where you are, will actually like do a 360 rotation. And it's like so visually cool to look at. And one of the levels that really stood out to me was a sand level where, in the background, you see these people riding camels. But then every time you know you're moving the Tetraminos, you can like hear like the pressing on the sand, uh, and then the Tetraminos themselves are made of sand. And so the visual style of it and the way the music is so interwoven into it, it's just <laughs> mesmerizing. And I, I fell in love with this game within the first three minutes I was playing it. I was like, I could put the controller down now and be like, I'm going to love this game from now until the last minute I play it. So did you play it's, it in VR? I have not played it in VR yet. Ooh. So, And I did that intentionally because I know that I'm going to love it more in VR. And it's really good just on PlayStation 4. You can um, move the camera in and out, which by the way, if you are playing and you didn't know and you're playing and you are like, wow, the, the feel of which I'm stacking the Tetraminos feels so far away. If you press in on the left stick, if you go forward, it zooms in pro tip. It took me a little while to figure that out for myself <laughs> and I've talked to a couple of other people that are like, oh my God, I had no idea you could zoom. Yeah, you can zoom in. So don't worry. You can zoom all the way in. Cause that's a, one of the VR features and you can also tilt it up and down. So you can change your perspective with the camera, which is something you really haven't been able to do in a Tetris game before is kind of change your view on how you're looking at the field with the tetraminus are falling. And then, of course, the, the music is really the highlight. And <laughs> I've discovered that anything above a speed 10 is just not where I want to be. Really, anything above a speed like 6 or 7 is not where ass? I want to be. Yeah, because there are certain sections, certain levels where you start out as a normal speed, and then to clear off the the wave, because you have to clear a certain amount of lines to pass the level. Um, it'll there'll be like a music chime or a music shift, and then all of a sudden they'll start dropping really fast. And you're like, oh no, oh god, what do I do? And I forgot how stressful Tetris can
3: get. It can be really stressful. This is a prime (laughs) example of one of those games that I had little to no interest in when it was announced. I know a lot of people lost their minds over it, but... Listening to everyone talk about it and the hype and the way you're describing it and the way that you're so goddamn giddy, like you rarely get this (laughs) giddy about a game, Andrea. That's true. It's like okay, like I can see you know going upstairs, putting on the big screen, cranking up the the sound system because I'm very interested in the music and how it ties in like the things you were talking about. So I'm you know I I don't know if I can sit down Pokemon for this over the weekend, but I do want to play it. Set aside at least an
0: hour to play it because you won't be disappointed. There's this one level where you start out playing it, and each of them have a visually very identifiable style, and they change the color and the shape of the Tetraminos to fit the style of the level, which I love. And there was this one that kind of felt like I was at Burning Man. And <laughs> um, you get to, like, the end of the level, and it, once it starts to ramp up to the difficult part, there's like these little people that are like, almost like they're praying, like they're chanting. they so they're like going back and forth, and they're chanting, and like the more difficult it gets, the more people like start chanting. What the hell? And it gets like, and it gets like ritualistic in a way. Sorry, my camera. that's they're summoning the demon.
3: That's so weird. It gets weird. ritualistic,
0: and like it, like. It gets you all hype, and you're like, oh, no, something's coming, something's coming, and then, like, the tetramino start falling super fast, yeah. and you're
2: like, oh, my God, what's happening? This all makes and, sense like, just- to me because it's, it's Mizuguchi, right? Like, right. he's mm-hmm. so good at that, um, and so that's part of why I do, like, Tetris is Tetris. I like Tetris a lot, but one of the main reasons why I want to play this game is because it's, like, his spin on it, in a way, and he's always so skilled at, uh, fuck, I forget the word that it's called synesthesia or something like I don't like where you it's visual and sound together. Mm. Um, there is a specific word that I'm just completely blanking on, but something like that. I
1: don't now know. I, what now I have is. to Google. Now it. I'm Google. Yeah. The, the new word that I feel like I'm learning right now is Tetramino. I know me, too. I, that's that was. Yeah, I not heard that one. Is that legit jargon, Andrea? Yeah, that's
0: the name of the of the shape of the pieces in the Tetris puzzle. is called the Tetramino. Where did
1: you learn that? I mean, I don't know. A long time ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want you to be like Nintendo Power Magazine. <laughs>
0: oh, girl. I wish I had an actual legit good story about how I learned the word Tetramino. But I'm sure it was about a Tetris story that I did at some point in my career in games media. And I had to figure out the exact uh, nomenclature for those shapes. <laughs> but it does also appear in the game um several times if you were if you're curious as to like how you spell this word because in the they have um so they have a campaign that has these different sections and the levels like beautifully flow together but if you want to just do some free play they have a mode where you can do a variety of different types of free play which I thought was really cool so you can see what your friends are playing so if you go into like the like I'm using air quotes here, like the multiplayer because leaderboards of course is a big thing in this game. And you can kind of see your other friends kind of floating around and playing in, in Tetris, which I thought was really neat. And, um, you can pick from a variety of different challenges. They have specific playlists. So they have like a sea playlist. So all of the sea levels or the ocean inspired levels are chained together that you can play. They have a wind playlist, they have a um they have a competitive playlist where you're not playing directly against somebody at least in what I was playing but it's more it's, it's designed to be more challenging and i was like i don't really want that i just kind of want to put it on like a slow speed and just like enjoy the music <laughs> but it's just such a well-done experience. And, you know, Steimer, as you were mentioning, Enhanced Games, you know, uh, Mizuguchi's company just really took everything that they have done in previous titles and applied it to the classic Tetris puzzle game formula and really came up with something special. So you may be asking yourself, like, why am I buying Tetris yet again? And I would say you've never experienced Because it's Mizuguchi's son. He's dun, dun, dun. fucking yeah. awesome. It's- this is why I'm so excited <laughs> to try it in VR but Brit, if you put this on your big screen and blast the
3: music, you were going to have yourself an experience. That's I'm going to have myself a, cool. a police called on my ass, but it'll be fine. It'll be worth it.
2: I no can... one can hear you live out in the boonies. Yeah, no one will care. <laughs> and even still like they would be into the music probably. The music would really be like, good.
3: They'd gather outside my house and just start dancing on my
2: neighbors. Yes, start a exactly. rave.
1: I'm sure you guys have seen it, like E3 those big uh, domes that they show off sometimes where they essentially play the game on a big dome and you're inside the dome getting the experience. I imagine this would be like the A plus material for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be very, very cool. Awesome. Well, thank Last you for that night, review. Yeah, I got
0: to go. Yeah, no, you guys got to go play it, buy it, do it. I was, um, I was, <laughs> Excuse me. Last night I was about to say I was at the Game Awards uh, re- nominees reception. <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking on a pumpkin seed. Uh-oh. And <laughs> we were at Dolby
3: and got to see. She's <coughs> dying. Oh my god! I can't. And, and the sad Someone thing is, we, we can't help her. She's alone. Just She's her cats. And let's oh be honest, no. they don't oh care. No. Just, they're gonna eat her face. They're <laughs> just gonna eat her face. Ghost is gonna be and like, my god, oh, I need to eat.
0: If I died on this video, chunky, ch- chunky,
2: choking, <laughs> <Yeah>. chunky <laughs> on a pumpkin seed, that would be the
0: saddest way to go.
2: It, re- it really um, would be. It'd be horrifying for us too, by
3: the way. Oh God, <laughs> to watch me choke to death? Yeah, yes. I would hope so. I, I I couldn't watch. I'm sorry. I would be gone. I'd be drinking a fifth of whiskey. Maybe I, mean, I would. Hope hopefully, one of you would call my husband.
2: Uh, either call John or call <laughs> think, the police. I think the police like, would be the best bet. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> that you guys you. have a
0: plan. Um anyway, my point was I got to see um this giant movie screen that has Dolby Atmos built into the chairs. And you guys may or may not know that Dolby Atmos is available in certain video games and they have an app on Xbox and PC that allows you to do Dolby Atmos in whatever headset that you have, which they gave me a code to try out because I was like I didn't know this was a thing that I can download and get through my Xbox, so I'm going to try it and I'll report back, but it would be perfect for Tetris Effect. Too bad, right now, Tetris Effect, PlayStation exclusive, Um, but maybe someday, I have to imagine it's Tetris, that they'll probably be coming to Xbox One and Switch in the future, but for now, get it on your PlayStation 4.
1: Woo! Anyway. I'm Other excited now that we to go to work about. tomorrow. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have fun. Yeah. You're going to be playing tomorrow and be like, oh, my
0: God, I was not ready.
1: Yes. That's awesome. Because that job, uh, we go live at 10 a.m. And where they oh, go is pretty far from where I live. So I have to be out the door at 6 a.m. in order to. Oh, yep. no. So that's like my not it, not that the show is not fun because the show is fun. But I'm always like, Ugh, it's never fun to get up. up that early. early. Um, no, no, it's never fun to get up that it's early. So fun. I'm like now I'll, in addition to my coffee and my tired eyes, I'll be like, but Tetris
3: effect. I had to get up around that early for my own wedding and I dreaded it. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I get
2: it but you could mm. it's your wedding you could schedule it for later no That's I couldn't have, especially pic- since
0: it was like just the just a few of you listen, listen like, ladies you had, like, there's a reason if I, I can make
3: up for listen it's because the lighting in Bora Bora wasn't ideal I wanted the soft lighting not the harsh lighting okay I mean okay. honestly that, like, that, that was legitimately the reason plus it was like 85 degrees by um, like 11 a.m. and being in your wedding dress in 85 degrees is not a pleasant experience Wait, so did you get married at like nine a.m.? Yeah, I think the ceremony was at like nine fifteen or something. What? Really? It was very that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because because <laughs> yeah. Also, you <laughs> think it's very effing hot over there? Not that I'm complaining. I got married in Bora Bora. Absolutely beautiful. Would recommend it. It was just it does get very hot very early, and the sun and all the water. If you want that crystal blue water, you have to get in in the morning. That's what she said. Otherwise, the water doesn't have that aqua blue. <laughs> look to it so if you want that in your photos it does require getting up at the ass crack of dawn
2: wow if you're looking to get married in bora bora maybe reconsider <laughs>
3: <laughs> i didn't expect it i mean i didn't see that going that way but i'm not surprised I'm very, i love you very much wow <laughs> yeah maybe just
0: Maybe just Honeymoon in Bora Bora, where you go to sleep in. Who cares what the water looks like? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. Yes. Um, but, Brittany, you also have a meaty list of games here. So <laughs> we obviously <laughs> talked about Moonlighter last week. Yeah. um You have Fallout 76 here, which we maybe could potentially hold for next week. That'd be better, because um, I have only have a and couple then hours. With that. <laughs> you do have the brand new... Mm -hmm. tomb raider dlc the forge Mm -hmm. and laser suit larry wet dreams
3: don't dry how How is that so i'm going through this thing (laughs) and i call this the god of war effect just because this is the game that happened first is you play a game that's such a masterpiece that anything following up to it if it's anywhere within the same realm of game or even not It's just, it's not fair to that game. This happened with um, Far Cry 5. I played God of War, and then I hopped back into Far Cry 5. So I told myself, okay, Red Dead Redemption 2, one of my favorite games now of all time. I have to do something very weird here, so these (laughs) games will have a chance. So another game I'm currently playing that I can't talk about is the Persona Dancing Collection, The Endless Night. So that's obviously very, very different from Red Dead Redemption 2, as are all of these games. So... The Forge DLC, uh, Jason and I hopped into the co-op challenge tomb, and it took us about 30 minutes. And now, where I'm confused, and maybe, Andrea, since you did more work on this, you might know, what do you get with this Forge DLC? Is it just the challenge tomb? Because I've looked it up, and I'm getting conflicting information. I'm seeing that you get new areas, new stories, new weapons, but the only thing I've seen so far has been the challenge tomb. Anyway, while you're looking that up, So it took about 30 minutes for us. They have different ways that you... So what this is, ladies and gentlemen, it's a challenge room, and you can do it single player or you can invite a friend. This friend needs to have a copy of the game to play. So it's... You know, is it worth a $5 DLC if you're I only- thought they didn't have... I didn't. I thought they didn't need to have a copy of the game to play with you. If that's, I thought that was what they said. Okay, if that's the case, I didn't see an option to invite someone locally. The only option I saw was invite friends list. And then I was able to invite Jason when he was online. So that could be my bad. Someone please email, email us and let me know if I'm wrong. Um, you can do a score attack. I'm atta- looking it up right now. Okay. You can do a score attack or a time attack if you want to participate on the leaderboards. Or you can just do exploration mode, which is what we did. So you play as Laura. Your partner plays also as Laura. But on your screen, it looks like... Oh, God, what's the girl with the tattoos? We just saw her. Um, yeah, Abby? Abby. Mm-hmm. Is, it- is it Abby? I think it's Abby. That sounds the girl right.
0: wearing the hat?
3: Yeah. 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 Yeah, Abby. Abby. So both of you play as Laura, but the other character looks like Abby on your screen. There was no combat or anything like that, but it was... Very much so, a tomb designed for two players, and it was a really we had a really good time with it. It was fun to put our heads together and see, like, okay, so you're going to go to the left, I'm going to go to the right, and what do you see? Because you're not always in the same area together. Uh, you have to be able to communicate and communicate well and communicate healthy with this person you're playing with, because otherwise, you might hate ah. each other. So <laughs> we're just okay. Laughs. But you know what, yeah, otherwise it could be frustrating. Like, this is not something you could do with someone silently. If so, you can do matchmaking where you're paired with a rando and you want to try doing it that way. Sounds like a disaster to me, but please, you know, good luck and let me know how that goes. But it was fun. It wasn't overly challenging or anything like that. But it was, uh, I I really like the challenge tombs in Tomb Raider games. They remind me a lot of a, a sliver of what I like to see Zelda dungeons evolve into. They just have fun, intricate puzzles. You never really know what you're going to find. You walk into a room and you know you can solve the puzzle. You just have to figure out how to do it. And that's what this uh, Forge Challenge Tomb was all about. It was a really good time. i like to see Stimer and Andrea do it. Like together? Yeah. You guys can do it together. Are you trying to make
0: us hate each other? No, because you ladies...
3: (laughs) Listen, if you two can do Overcooked 2 together, you can handle this. Like If you guys can do Overcooked 2 and not hate each other, you're fine.
0: That's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't get a definitive answer (laughs) here on if both people need to have the DLC in order to be able to play together. So this must be something I have to reach out to the PR team about and get an answer on. But if you know, as Brett mentioned, please do write in. I don't know if we're going to be able to touch on this next week or not.
3: Who knows? knows? Um, (laughs) Um, Leash your suit. But you liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I would recommend it. Like I said, it's a good okay. time. To, again, just make sure you're playing with someone that you could talk to and maybe get a little frustrated with and not hate them forever. Uh, <laughs> leisure Suit <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry. So this is the first time I've ever played this kind of game before in terms of like the Leisure Suit games. I am relatively new to adventure games, like I've talked about on the show. So I'm finding myself a little overwhelmed with the puzzle aspect of this adventure game. Obviously, that's all this game really is. Because uh, at any point, you'll have anywhere from like, 10 to 20 items in your inventory and they're all completely random and I my mind doesn't think that way. How you can you combine these two things and make it something that you need for this object that looks absolutely non-related to anything that you mm-hmm. anyway. So Simon <laughs> and I demoed this together at Pax Prime? Yeah, West? Pax West. PAX West. Yeah, Pax Prime. Excuse me. Yeah, or whatever they call it. Yeah. Pax West, yeah. Um so I'm four or so hours into this. And honestly, the only reason I'm super-duper into it is because I want to see what these games are all about, right? You know, Leisure Suit Larry has this reputation of being very vulgar and sexual and potty humor, and that's right up my alley. That's the kind of shit I love. And obviously, this is not a game you want to play with your children around. But I haven't seen anything where I'm like, oh my goodness, clutching my pearls. You know, nothing like that. And I don't know how the older games were. Um. Side note,
0: I found out about Laser Suit Larry because my dad, also named Larry,
2: huh. was playing
0: Laser Suit Larry when I was a kid <laughs> and tried to kind of be like, no, not right now. Daddy's having his game time. <laughs> and it's so funny to think about how like 30 years later, I don't even know if my dad knows that this game exists, but I'm definitely going to send him uh, a copy but what's uh, if you guys missed it at our PAX West panel, we talked about your guys' impressions mm-hmm. having just played it, uh, demoed it for the first time. Has it done anything to kind of change your
3: mind at all about it, or do you kind of feel the same? I, I mean, I uh, it's hard to say because I'm enjoying my time with it, but I'm not playing this game to rack my brain. I'm playing it to this kind of experience Larry... See what kind of, these games are all about, right? So I am getting easily frustrated because, again, I'm very familiar with adventure games, and some of these puzzles are just like, how the hell would anyone ever think about doing that? Simon, so I'd be interested if you'd play this because I think it
2: would give me yeah. some
3: good perspective on how. I'm not going to call myself dumb because you'll you'll yell at yeah, me. Yeah, you're
2: not you're not dumb. Like the, <laughs> that's the way these games are designed. It's mm-hmm. absolutely ludicrous. Like a lot of the puzzles are kind of stupid in that way like you're just like what the fuck like what how would anybody think to use these two things together but as part of the appeal is like you do weird combinations to see what works like one of the main pro tips if you want to play an old school like style adventure game just click every number Mm -hmm. one click everything to try and pick up as much stuff as you can to put everything together in the inventory Mm. regardless of whether or not you think it works like just put just try Okay. Try combining everything.
3: So you need patience and time. Yes, <laughs> and I don't yes. have. Well, I don't have. I have patience, kind of, but not a lot of time. So that's why I'm, I'm playing side by side with a guide, which is something mm. I really liked about. um What was that last adventure game I played that I talked about on the show? Broken Sword. What I liked about that is it had the in-game built hint system, which is really yeah. helpful. But this one doesn't have it. So I mean, you know, it's fun. I'm enjoying. I'm laughing. I'm chuckling. Again, this is my kind of humor. Um, so the premise is is that you are Larry and you have gone forward in time. You still think you're in the eighties and then you quickly realize that you are not. You are learning what cell phones are, what Instacrap, Farcebook, Timber, all these fun plays on apps. And your goal as of right now, my goal, is to have sex with a lot of women. So I raise my timber Naturally. score. So I raise my timber score so I can bang this one woman who works for prune, which is like Apple and I haven't gotten okay, laid right? Because that is how real life works. <laughs> right.
0: The more people you screw, the more attractive you become. Exactly. Yes. That, the and more that's,
3: your Tinder score goes up. That's like <laughs> the
1: whole point of every Leisure Suit Larry game, though, is screw
3: more people, yes. become more attractive, screw more people, repeat. I Also, yes. Larry's effing repulsive. God, he's gross. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. good about this man. I mean, not obviously from like a personal perspective, but he's just very, very unattractive and it's just ugh, I don't know how. Ugh, anyway,
0: um, yeah. So you know. Oh, I bet you there's some poor soul out there who looks spitting image of Larry who's just crying it's not in the about corner the, right the now. looks.
2: It's about the personality. <laughs> I think it's the skis. No, listen,
3: obviously. it's obviously definitely right. the, skis. the I'm, super if, skis. If you are a Larry doppelganger, I apologize. I'm a not Larry trying to doppelganger. <laughs> I'm trying i'm sure you just don't, like, don't be as pervy as larry
0: is don't right. sleep with a bunch of people to think that it's gonna make you more attractive i mean well no, that's not, not even his pervious works.
1: quality i feel like he just no. goes around saying inappropriate things all the time like i personally think the larry games are hilarious Mm. I will play any Leisure Suit Larry I can get my hands on. I have not played the newest one yet, um, but I will at some point. I remember I did a stream a couple of years ago where I had my parents play Leisure Suit Larry on my stream, <laughs> amazing. and I like sat amazing. there and hung out with them. It was so funny, and my mom just had like a constant face of disapproval.
2: She was, <laughs> oh, I bet my mom super <laughs> would <too>. not into <laughs> it. Like the fuck is this? <laughs> oh,
3: what are, are you showing me? My dad would be so me? into it. I gotta get my dad out here to do a stream with me. That oh, would be awesome, so but yeah, I, it's fun. I'm enjoying <laughs> my time with it. It's uh, like I said, my kind of humor. If you're easily offended, probably shouldn't be listening to the
2: show. But also, don't play that <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah. I would say if like dirty jokes aren't your thing, definitely not your style of game. Right? Well, that's you know. fine. Just yeah.
1: <laughs> but if you're maybe someone who has a "That's What She Said" pillow, this might be perfect maybe. for you. Might make maybe you have one. one. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. dirty jokes look at that ladies <laughs> i just
0: i just don't want to be larry's sloppy seconds that was only my thing mm. um okay <laughs> Brittany, huh we're gonna put a pin in fallout 76 that's we're gonna fun. come back to it because as you most of you know we're recording the show on wednesday the game's been live only for Not even 24 hours um, as of recording this. And um, we just need more time with it. And somebody had tweeted to me being like, why isn't there a Metacritic score for this? I was like, because they gave us preloaded copies of the game, but the servers didn't go live until the game launched. Because Bethesda has been um, really good about making sure that, you know, the public has access at the same time press does. That was a big thing that they did a couple of years ago. So... Pin in that, Symer, mm. you've just barely dipped your toe in the Hitman 2 waters.
2: Yeah. And here's the thing. I always talk about this game and how, like, I've never played a Hitman before, but I'm always very intrigued by Hitman because I like the idea. I like the way that they have built the world in a way that you can kind of do whatever you want in a certain way. I think it's a nice sandbox style from what I've seen in previews. However, I will say tutorial system, not so great. Figuring out how to get into this is very difficult. So, like, I was just dumped into the first world. The really only thing it told me to do was to take out the cameras, which I was like, yes, duh. Okay. Um, so shot down all the cameras. And then it was like, you need to get into the house. And I was like, duh. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, it doesn't... I want... I don't want it to do this the whole game. But I think it would have been a little bit nicer if it had maybe held my hand a little bit in this first level... Because I've never played this style of game before. I know in concept how it should work. But even like, so when it goes to, okay, now you need to take this mark out. And um, there's like all these other people walking around. I'm like, what is the best course of action here? Like, should I, I'm hearing hints of what the game is trying to tell me I can do. For instance, like there was a call and someone's talking about the ventilation systems kind of fucked up. So I'm like, okay, so I guess if I found something poisonous gas wise i could probably throw it through the ventilation system i don't know where the fuck the ventilation system is i don't know how to like i don't know (laughs) i don't know how to do this i see what you're trying to hint at me but i don't know how on earth i could possibly make this happen in this amount of time because there was also like she's like the the mark is a woman and she's like i'm gonna make some tea and i'm like great if i could somehow shimmy downstairs without being noticed i could poison your tea but like that seems I like a tall order. Totally get it. Because this is when
3: I played at PAX Prime. I sat with the developer. Because I'm just like you, Samer. I've always been super duper interested in the series. But I don't know how to play a Hitman game. It's just not. Right. It, yeah. So I sat down with the developer. And he walked me through a mission uh, where I ended up poisoning. Was it the race car? When you were doing the racetrack? No, no. Well, this is okay. like, I
2: played that one. Okay. This is just the first thing in the game. Which is like a house. And you're scouting for information. But like you find information and then people mm. come and you have to like now, kill one of them.
3: Now, can you open? Sorry, just real quick. Can you open your menu when you play? And is there certain objectives that you can select or certain ways you can play that level that you can select? Because I feel like that's what we did. And it did a much better job at kind of holding my hand and telling me what to do and how to do it.
2: Maybe it didn't. The game never told me that was there if it was. Right. <laughs> Which is sort of a missed opportunity. Um, yeah. But no, I, I mean, I kind of opened it to see what the what the um button mapping was cuz i was like i picked up an object and couldn't figure out how to drop it <laughs> so like i figured that out i was like what the fuck put it down. stop carrying put around a car down. battery why are you carrying this car battery around this whole you house you look so it's suspicious too- <laughs> yeah it like, looked really dumb and i was just like thwacking into everything but um so the only person that i managed to successfully kill was not the person i was intended to it was her boyfriend i poisoned a glass of whiskey and then just hid and then eventually was like, you know what, I'm just going to get caught and die or whatever, you know, end game. And I I did that. Um, and now it's like you can restart from a checkpoint. And part of me is like, I might just play this whole thing over mm-hmm. and try and figure out more of the other ways the game was hinting at me. Because like there was a there was a period of time before anybody's there where you can kind of take your time with the house. But you don't know that when you're first playing through. When you're you have that anxiety of like, oh my god, someone's gonna be here any minute. What do I do? What do I right. do? Okay. But I think now I know where the actual game trigger point is, um, for have signaling like the cutscene and having people come. So I think I'm gonna take my time in the house, try and figure out these other ways of skillful, 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 skillful murder, and then see it again and like and just go save for it often, <laughs> manually and just, save all the time. I don't know because, like, I think if yeah, if you mess one thing up, it's that's it, man. It's no bueno. I hid in a closet for a very long time,
0: <laughs> and I just watched <laughs> so, people
2: walk by.
0: No, like, I'm glad that hey, you're bringing this up, though, because um, I remember talking about this after the gameplay demo and saying it was really unfortunate that I had to have a developer hold my hand. I actually got. A little angry at the dev because I was like, yo, let me try to figure this out on my own. If you have to sit next to me and tell me how to play the level, that's an inherent design flaw. That's a level design problem that you guys need to fix because people at home aren't going to have a developer sitting next to them telling them how to play. And I really love what Warner Brothers and um, um, is it um, IO, right? IO Interactive, um, have done with this series. And I told them like, hey, like, you know, this shouldn't be that difficult. And I'm with you, Symer, that they potentially should have just made a whole tutorial level, but made it skippable, right? So if people played yes. the first one yeah. and played the reboot and understand the mechanics, make the tutorial level skippable, but make it, you know, m- put everybody into it first so that everybody knows and then have like a narrator be like agent 47 could do
2: this or agent 47 could do this. If, and so the, so for instance, so I'm walking through the house, how it could have gone is like, Oh, you see a bottle of poison. And then it could be like note for later or like, you know, have a thing of like, maybe this would be useful. And then when the, the repairman calls about the ventilation system, have that pop up as an option. Like you can take care of people this way. like, so it's not necessarily telling you what you need to do, but it's giving you all the options. And it could also just be like, yo, or just take out your gun and shoot her in the head. Like whatever you want to do, man, like it's on you Mm -hmm. to figure out how you want to do this. But here are some of the options. I think even just for the first level, that would have been incredibly helpful to me as a new Hitman player. And maybe what Brittany is saying exists. And like, it's just not super clear that I can go into a menu and force that tutorial in. But my memory is, is that, Every level has multiple things you can do in
3: it, obviously. And if you open up the menu and you go to a certain sub menu, it shows all the different options, all the different ways you can play the game. So you can do it and you select that and it kind of gives you a checklist of the things Mm -hmm. you need to do. And I think it shows you little diamonds on the map of like where to go. Or Mm. you can turn that off and just free play it and figure it out on your own.
2: I think it should have done a better job of telling me that exists
3: (laughs) because I had no
2: idea until you just said that
3: yeah or maybe it hasn't unlocked yet because it's the first mission i mean i don't know but like the first mission
2: what do you want me to do man (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't want the whiskey she already drank the tea all i have is a bottle of poison i don't know what to do with it yeah i know right
3: I'm not drinking your whiskey anymore girl
2: (laughs) i was i legitimately was like should i just walk out there and shoot both of them on the balcony like i don't know which um which difficulty level are you playing on i don't know whatever standard casual no, I never drop it down to anything. I always just keep drop it, it whatever down. the whatever. Well, I maybe
0: that might be the way to go till you get your feet under you to kind of figure out like how the world works, and then drop, uh, then bring it up to professional. So, um, Hitman has three different difficulty levels: casual, professional, and master. Um, and in the casual mode, they it's designed to give new players an easier way into the game. Uh, it will give players a way to mess around with the world and see what happens without fear fear of failing. The professional level is the default entry point, which is what I'm guessing you're playing on. Yeah, And it's balanced to give players a feeling of being a true assassin using all of the game's intricate mechanics together with their ingenuity to assassinate their targets. And I'm reading this directly from IO's website. Uh, And then the master, of course, is for players that need an extra challenge. Combat will be extremely hard and NPCs will be more aware of the surroundings, making stealth gameplay a greater challenge, too. I mean, it did
2: feel a little ridiculous that I'm like this dude in a suit with a bald head. So it's shiny, right? Like and then I'm sitting in a closet with the door ajar about yay big, which (laughs) is uh, for those listening. I don't know, like at least a hand wide and someone is walking past it and not noticing that I'm just standing there being a (laughs) creep. (laughs) I was like, that's weird. But (laughs) I I also was waiting for... Because I'm so used to how stealth works in a lot of other games, i.e. Tomb Raider. When somebody was walking by, I was waiting for a button prompt of like, stealth, kill this man and drag him into the closet. And that didn't come up. I don't know if it's an option, but I was like, wait, what? Why can't I just... (laughs) <laughs> why can't i kill you and put you here in closet land? <laughs> closet land i don't know maybe i can but again as a brand new hitman player i found right. it oh more overwhelming than i wanted it to be i wanted to just go in and like screw around and have fun in a sandbox but i found myself not knowing what to do being a little overwhelmed by choice i suppose is, is what happened instead of feeling like i had um A lot of fun options. I instead felt like I had no options because I wasn't even sure what they were. I knew they existed somehow.
3: I'll check out that menu and see if it actually exists
2: because that would be helpful.
3: Well,
0: And it's also, you know, good criticism of their onboarding because they said... Um, On their statement here that Hitman has historically always been a hard game to pick up, and we are taking steps to make the game more approachable while still keeping the core that current players like. We want our difficulty levels to offer something to both new players, experimenting players, and veterans. So that's why they've added this difficulty level system. And so clearly they are aware that players like you that are new, that are interested, are having a tough time, but it's clear that the game isn't directing you to be like, "Hey, are you new to Hitman? If yes, why don't you try this option? Baby if no, here's like man. us throwing you in the d- in the deep mode." Right. That onboarding probably should have been built into the very beginning of the game, like when you're booting it up for the very first time and starting it up. Like that that question should have been broached, you know, like. Pick this, pick this, pick this, pick your experience. So um, I hope you you know, go back and try it again. My plan is to play some this week as well and so we can compare notes down the line. But um, definitely uh, want to see where they're going with that, even though I've heard a lot of the criticisms say that it feels like Hitman 1.5, mm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing because uh, the first Hitman, they did a really great job with rebooting. So, but I just haven't spent enough time with it yet to really say much. So, we'll put another pin in that conversation. You, like to, and you should have put a pin that up. in
3: it. Dun, nah, nah. Okay.
2: <laughs> oh, Brittany,
3: I have songs in my head. I don't know what my problem is lately. You ladies will say a string of words, and then in my head, I want to, I want to word vomit the songs, and I don't know why. I Maybe mean, that's just you, girl. I
0: guess just embrace it. Okay. I think that's perfect. Well, she's embracing it. We're gonna take one more <laughs> short break. When we come back, we have a very interesting virtual reality discussion to be had. Stay with us. We'll see you in a minute. everybody, it is the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And this segment is brought to you by Patreon producer Lincoln Davis from Polyarc. So Polyarc and Lincoln Davis have been supporters of What's Good Games for quite some time. And we are very appreciative of them believing in what we do here. And if you guys have even a dollar to contribute to the show, if you like what we do, and you're like, that's worth one dollar a month, we would encourage you to head on over to patreon.com slash what's good games and check out all the amazing tiers of offerings that we have there and join our fantastic community. And today... We are going to be talking about VR, virtual reality. So we have a couple of different topics we're going to be kind of kicking around, um, some of which are the top VR games released in 2018. Of course, we're going to be talking about the Game Award nominees. Um, What game type do you see as sticking with VR? Every platform has a standout game type. What will they be for VR? And if you're not using VR, What would make you pick it up, or maybe pick up the headset that you bought that you have sitting in a closet? Like maybe my Oculus is doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So, um, thank you again to Lincoln for supporting the show. So, let's start with the top VR games released in 2018. Now, the nominees are by no means a comprehensive list. There are so many more games that are not on this list that would definitely be considered top VR games. But just as a reminder, the five games that are nominated for the Game Awards in the VR AR category are Astrobot Rescue Mission from um, Sony Interactive on PSVR, Beat Saber, which is finally coming to PSVR on November 20th. So excited. Um, Firewall Zero Hour, which is also another PSVR game, Moss, which is now, I believe, multi platform. Right? I think? Sounds right? Check. I don't know. Um and then Tetris Effect, which is currently only on PSVR, which I mentioned earlier, I have to anticipate, coming later. They have not announced what the timed exclusivity is for that game, but it's Tetris. It's not gonna stay on PlayStation forever. Man. So
1: PSVR VR sweeping it.
0: They really are. And I think that that says a lot about how approachable that headset is for first-time users of, of VR. Anybody who has tried VR or is currently a VR enthusiast knows that, like, Oculus and Vive are clearly, you know, more powerful when it comes to hardware and specs. That's just... There's no debating that. But they are more complicated to use. And I think what's interesting about you know, Lincoln's questions um, is, you know, like every platform has a standout game type, what will they be for VR? And I think that that kind of ties together. This idea that VR has a lot of really amazing technical possibilities, but is the most crazy technical thing, the
3: thing that people want VR for. Yeah, so just speaking. No, it's it's complicated. That's what she said. No, that's not what she said. That's a relationship status. Anyway, so when I first, (laughs) (laughs) that's so great. Oh, I'm this train (laughs) is not stopping. So when I first started playing VR, I was playing anything and everything just for the sake of playing it because it was in VR. As time has gone on, I have found that. If I don't like a puzzle game normally, I'm not going to appreciate it just because it's in VR. I might appreciate what they've accomplished or what they're able to accomplish, but I'm not just going to play a game because it's in VR. The games I do like in VR are obviously horror experiences, which is bad and good because it's VR games and horror. Absolutely terrifying. It's only bad, Brett. It's only ever bad. (laughs) It's terrifying. You're crazy. They are terrifying. And that's what I effing love about them so much. And it 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 brings a whole new level of enjoyment to the horror genre for me anyway. When I'm playing a game in VR, as to what's going to stick, like Andrea was saying, I don't think it's the the biggest and best and most innovative and whatnot. I think it's probably the simplest concepts, like Tetris Effect or these other games, Beat Saber, something that allows you to just lose yourself with a puzzle or a simple gameplay loop or something like that. Not like I think Resident Evil 7, really great in VR, but I don't think that's necessarily the future of VR, maybe many years from now when the technology has advanced so greatly that it looks like you're playing on a 4K TV, but all around you, I can see that. But for the near future, no, I think it's more of these puzzly type of games that we're seeing.
2: I don't know. Why would I want a VR headset for like a puzzle game that I can have a very similar effect to on a 2D screen?
3: Well, maybe puzzly games wasn't the right type of way to word it. I'm thinking something like, again, Moss, Polyarch, like that was an adorable experience in VR and one I'm, I, I'm glad that I, pre- I played on VR rather than on a TV. Now, Tetris Effects, I'm going to try both just to see what that's like. But I imagine that's another one of those experiences where it's like, oh my God, this is so much mind, more mind blowing or something like that. Simple. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's interesting thinking about, about that because I think, we're maybe getting into a little bit of subjective territory here, of course, Mm -hmm. as to what is the best VR experience. Someone like me likes games that are simple, like Brittany's mentioning, because I've tried really immersive VR games, and I haven't been able to fully enjoy them because something always breaks the immersion. For example, take a game like E! Valkyrie, which really kickstarted the VR video games movement back with their early demo on the prototypes of the Oculus Rift. Nobody was talking about VR gaming before that prototype was unveiled. They really were the gateway into what would become the VR community in video games specifically. But when I try to play that game, I'm overwhelmed by sensory bombardment and, space combat games are difficult for me to play even with a controller on a TV screen, let alone putting on a VR headset and really being immersed in it. I'm getting dizzy. I'm looking around. uh, The headset maybe isn't adjusted properly. Anything that breaks the immersion for just a moment ruins the experience because you need to be so fully immersed in something like that that's so intense. On the other hand, when I play a game like Moss, for example... I can kind of take my time with these levels. I can go at my own speed. I can like lean in and look at what's happening in the level. I can take the time and move my head around and kind of view the level from all the angles. And there's no pressure when playing that game. And I feel like there's so few puzzle games in general that allow you to take your time, even in regular 2D games that you're playing without a VR headset or 3D games that you're playing without a VR headset. That I love a game like that that's like, hey, we want to make you feel like you're inside this world and we're going to take advantage of the tech that we have at our disposal, but we're not going to throw every bell and whistle at you that's available because that doesn't enhance the experience. It overwhelms and detracts from the experience. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I get to play a lot of VR games because of kind of the areas I cover are tech and gaming. So it's the perfect amalgamation of the two. It's the perfect crossover. Um, and for me, the VR experiences that I enjoy the most that I feel like are probably the most accessible to people that aren't necessarily VR enthusiasts, but are just trying it are the experiences that seamlessly blend movement with the game itself and the vr experience so andrea like you said you know when something breaks that immersion for you it really does take you out of that feeling of being in in the game and i think the games that are doing that the best right now are the more sensory experiential type of games like a beat saber like electronauts if anyone played serviosis electronauts where kind of anyone can jump into the game and start feeling it in their body. That, for me, is the key. If you played a Sprint Vector, you feel that in your body. Um, if you ever played Echo Arena. Because we're, we've come a long way from the headset and the keyboard and mouse. Or the headset and the con- the console controller. Now, now I think the struggle for devs is to really make it that immersive experience. And we saw a lot of really interesting peripherals. Like the Virtuix Omni um, the treadmills, Oh my gosh, vests, that
0: thing, whatever happened to it? Right,
1: whatever happened to that? I mean, it, there there's a lot of stuff like that of people trying to solve that obstacle to VR of really immersing your entire body and all your senses. And I think that there's some games that came out in 2018 that are really doing that well. I do
0: find it really interesting to see how VR is being applied into other areas. For example, I recently went on a trip to... Copenhagen in Denmark and in Copenhagen there is one of the world's oldest amusement parks Tivoli Gardens which is 150 years old uh, which is kind of bizarre to think about like do I want to go on a ride that's been around for that long um i sure they do, sure they they do new new maintenance <laughs> of course of course one of the neat things that they offer is that you can pay an upgraded fee to put a VR headset on while you ride some (gasps) of the rides. And in my mind, I'm like, what's the point of that when I'm like already on the ride? It's already a thrill ride for me just being on it in real life. And I didn't get an opportunity to actually put it on, though I really wanted to, but several people on the ride that I was on did it. And this wasn't cheap. This was like... Per ride, like a fifteen to twenty dollar upgrade, like per ticket, like that's really expensive. And these people would put on the VR headset and then get on the roller coaster and then ride the roller coaster watching something in VR. Wow! I was like that, like a regular.
2: I I could see it for like like a
0: regular roller coaster. They would get on the roller coaster everything and then the technician would come around and put the vr headset on
2: them that's so yeah, fascinating while they were seated i totally I could see get it working that. for um yeah. like the mass effect ride that we went on like that like right. so like you're not looking at a giant screen because it's a little if you're anywhere except for middle center it can be a little crazy mm-hmm. with the screen that wide so i could see it for that where like your chair is moving but you're have yeah. everything there that would make sense but right. a roller coaster is kind of weird
1: yeah, I can see that only because uh, I just I just covered it for the show I do for Newegg last week. But there's a company called Master of Shapes that combined go-karting and VR. So you're imagine driving a go-kart around the track with a VR helmet on. Sounds oh terrifying because you can't see where oh my you're God, going. Yeah, nobody's, everyone's going to crash bumper cars. Right. Except for people don't. And they've incorporated like Mario Kart style power ups and stuff into the track that like oh. you see through the helmet, like you can see the power strips and stuff like that. And when you go over them in the game, your cart gets a boost. And like, that like it was so amazing. Apparently, I didn't get to try it, but apparently, uh, from some coworkers who did, they said it's the coolest thing they field ever done. trip. Right, and it's in Southern California. Oh, hey, where it's done. It's yeah, this company, uh, Master of Shapes partnered with a K-1 go-karting place to nice. do it. Um, yeah, see- yeah, so cool. So I can see, like, a roller coaster being enhanced by that um, because it is a thrill thing originally, but then you're kind of gamifying it, I guess. Yeah. yeah that would be
2: interesting. I wonder if it costs so much because if it falls off your head in the middle of the roller coaster, it's probably broken. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's definitely broken, <laughs> for <Definitely>. sure. <laughs> yeah um or like have any of you guys tried the void vr experiences that are no, around don't think they're, so. they're around in i want to say disney world in florida disneyland in anaheim and i know they had a setup at the glendale galleria here in los angeles um but they had a ghostbuster setup a star wars setup and there those are trying to tackle the immersion obstacle by building an actual physical environment that it, it's almost like an escape room type of thing or like a maze type of thing. Oh, I've seen but these. You put just on I've never tried it myself. Yeah, you put on the headset and go through it. And like I did the Star Wars one and there was one point where I'm shooting my blaster and like in the in the headset I see that there's a pole in front of me. And in actuality, I could grab that pole and hang off the pole while I'm shooting my blaster. Oh, because it's mapped to your in-game. It's mapped arena. to your actual ah. surroundings, and so see, that's so cool. That, that was cool. super cool too. And they had moments where like explosion would happen, and you would feel real heat from where the explosion happened, and just oh. people really playing with
3: how much
1: they can really put you in that world and in that game. And I just think that's so cool.
3: I know the MGM Grand has something like this too in Vegas, where it's a multi—it's a VR arena where you go around shooting your friends. Zo- they like cool. zombie, zombie survival and stuff like that. And you talking about this reminds me of going to Vegas next week, and maybe I can see if I can get a session in. Anyway, get
2: it? Yeah, that'd yeah. Be cool. I think for me, I've always been the one on this show that's like, whatever about VR. <laughs> I don't want anything on my head. I don't want things on my head. I don't, especially not in my house. Leave me alone. But I do think. <laughs> things that like Trisha like that you're talking about sound interesting. The go-kart thing sounds really interesting. Um and I like the idea of I guess I I like it more when I can apply it to something more physical. Like I can like if you're grabbing a thing but you can grab mm-hmm. it in the game and then it feels more immersive. I think for me I'm like sitting alone in my living room with a thing on my head is not super appealing, but like doing more interactive things with VR does sound like it could be cool.
1: Have you played Beat Saber yet?
2: I play no VR things. Okay, unless it's at a show, because I, I don't have VR here. When you're here, we will have Beat Saber in my house,
0: and you will play Beat Saber in my house, and oh. I will also <laughs> okay. make you try Tetris Effect, and you will be forever changed.
1: Yes, one of uh, one, my co-host uh, Juan Bagnell on the show I do for New Egg, he brought his headset home for like a big family get together, like grandparents and uncles, the whole thing. And just hooked up Beat Saber and was letting everybody have a try. And he said all of his family members, even the ones that know nothing about video games or technology, have zero interest, were like, oh, yeah, can I get another turn at that? Like, it was the gateway for all of his extended family members. So I'm always like, yeah, let's just try Beat Saber on people that are VR non-believers and see what happens. Hmm.
2: I'm down to try. So
1: this maybe leads us to the question.
0: If you're not using the VR headset sitting around the house, what would make you pick it up, Stimer? People as our resident VR non-believer. No,
2: come on. There's no experience. No, like I said, I it, ha- it would have to be a really unique, more interactive. At my house, I don't see what that could be. Um, because what, what about a Cullen dating simulator? No, <laughs> I know where you're going, but no. Like I, do that. the only thing that I find interesting from a VR perspective in like in your house would be something that I would never play, which is what Brittany is super excited about, which is horror (laughs) games. I can understand the mentality of like, Ooh, this is dialing it up to 11, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is great. You cannot get away. Brittany likes to scream into her problems. (laughs) That's what I've said. I scream away, but like it's, Um, but So it's not for me, but I do think that that is an interesting application of that product in a home space. Uh, for me personally, I think I would be I'm just much more intrigued by a real life Mario Kart thing with VR. That's so like outside cool.
3: experiences that take place in a big arena setting where yes. it's more, OK. What about if VR became nothing but a
2: pair of sunglasses? But here's a problem. So both you and Andrea live in houses. I do not actually, even Trisha, you live in a house too. Like, I don't live in a house. I live in a tiny apartment, like like a lot of people do. Like a lot yeah, of people. Uh-huh. So I, there's putting the thing on my head doesn't help me much. Even if it's just glasses, like I want there to be more interactivity if that's what it's supposed to do, and I can't do that in the space that I have. Um, I would have to move everything out, which I'm not going to. So and-
3: yeah. OK, so even just like a sitting experience where maybe it incorporates like some sort of surrounding or whatnot, you don't even you don't want that either. You're like, I just you only want VR if it's a big arena type area where you can actually move around and interact with your world.
2: The point of VR to me is to have to mesh the worlds between digital and real and mm-hmm. like to have things feel um like you're experiencing something that isn't really there. So that's where I see the real world things that Trisha was talking about as being that. Like that is the application that I would want this for. Hmm. Um That's
0: in that's interesting that you bring that up because that's exactly what I don't want from VR. <laughs> Whenever I've gotten ill from VR, it's because I'm standing and moving around the VR experiences I've liked the most are when I can sit and feel like I'm grounded to the floor or to gravity is grounding me somewhere. And then I can take my time and look around and kind of experience the visual world. But when I'm physically moving around, something about it, like the disconnect in my brain or my equilibrium or balance or something's just not lining up. And like I tend to lose my immersion uh, from any little physical disturbance. Um, like when we got to the three of us got to play Firewall Zero Hour together. Um, at it was either PSX or some other PSX, show that was yeah. PSX. Um, and not only was I having just technical problems with the build that I was playing on, but it was challenging because like whenever I like hit the the edge of the the virtual box or like I trip over the cable or something, it always breaks the immersion for me and so like i don't get any joy or extra excitement out of moving around in a vr space i actually prefer to have a world that i can explore in vr from a sedentary position and i know that seems kind of contradictory to like the point of exploring vr worlds but maybe that, I, i'm just weird i mean i think no. that's
2: probably where the tech is at right now because it yeah. can i think with a fire wall i almost said fire watch um <laughs> It that to me felt off in a way because of the movement speed. So like, I felt like we were moving super slow. I felt like we were walking through the mud. But (laughs) had they sped it up, we probably would have gotten sick. So like, it's one of those things that they're going to have to figure out. Um, And I will say maybe, maybe the reason why I'm always like sort of the Debbie Downer on VR is because I've already had the most optimal experience in VR, which is I played in the synesthesia suit with, like, four res, with Mizuguchi. (laughs) And, like, I don't know how I can be... I can't do better than that. Yes, you can. What if you got in the suit for Tetris Effect? Oh, Oh, my God. If he would bring that suit over (laughs) and, like, yes, I would 100% get in that suit for Tetris Effect.
3: You know, it's interesting you ladies say that because I've experienced fear, obviously, both ways. And I feel fully immersed no matter what I'm doing. So, Steinberg, you know, it's interesting when you're saying you're sitting on a couch and you feel like... You want to be in part of a world or part of your world. Isn't that a mermaid song? It is. Yep. It uh, is. I told you, man, I don't know what my problem is tonight, but even when I'm sitting in a chair, not moving and just sitting in my computer chair, I feel like I'm like transported somewhere to completely different. I feel like I'm not where I'm at. So I get that sensation no matter what I'm doing in VR. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that we all have three very differing opinions on
2: that. Yeah, no, I just feel like I'm sitting on my couch with a thing on my face. <laughs>
1: Right. And that's not how you want to feel. But (laughs) I. Perfect. Um, Yeah. I don't know. To answer the question, though, about what, because I also have an Oculus sitting right up there in my closet that I don't touch. um, Like what would get me to get that down and actually play with it? And I think it's more what Andrea was alluding to. Uh, of the accessibility and you know just how easy it is to use a psvr even though that's not the optimal experience i've actually had the chance to test out a lot of google daydream and uh qualcomm processor standalone vr headsets where they are standalone there's no cameras you have to set up you don't need a fancy rig you don't need Uh. to be plugged in anything you legit just take it and put it on your face and can have an experience now granted because of the tech limitations of the time right now, those experiences you can have are not the most enticing. So there's like pretty basic, maybe yeah. four or five that you're like, okay, I did that. That was cool. And then you're kind of done with that. But if we can get the tech and the games that are available on PSVR, Oculus, Vive, and put those in standalone headsets, then I think we're getting somewhere. Because if you think about use cases like, I don't know, you're – in bed with your significant other, and they want to go to sleep, but you still want to watch something on Netflix. If you're watching it on your laptop, like, even if you have earbuds, the light's probably bugging them. Whereas if you could lean over and get your standalone VR headset, pop that on, and watch movie, some porn, you're not bugging anybody. <laughs> Same thing with, like, if you could take your VR headset on a plane. And just be like, here I am on a plane, six hour flight. Put on my headset that, and play a game or something. That's the dream, right? right?
0: Right. So I got the really awesome opportunity to try Magic Leap One, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've gotten to try yep. that yet, um, Tricia. So this is obviously not VR in the traditional sense. This is more AR, augmented reality. But that idea of putting a headset on and having like this little like like mini disc console that was like the size of Of maybe what, um, like an ouya kind of right, like something super small that you just like put in your pocket. Uh, Obviously, it's flat. It honestly looks like kind of like a Walkman used to look Mm -hmm. like, like the like the disc, (laughs) the Discman or whatever. Um, Just like this disc that you would like clip onto your back pocket, and then you could move around in the world with the system. I think once VR actually gets to that wireless place, and I know obviously um, Vive is working on a wireless headset, Oculus is working on a wireless headset. I have to imagine that PlayStation is working on a wireless headset. Um, once we get to that, where those wireless headsets have the power, or at least even like three quarters to half of the power of where Oculus and PSVR are now. Because I don't think we're ever going to get like a high end Vive experience wireless. Because
1: have you just, have you tried the Vive wireless?
0: No, have you? Yes, It's CES last year. Um, was it was it breathtaking and magical? It
1: looks just like the normal Vive, which is a huge compliment. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. it felt just like the normal Vive. It wasn't, even though there's like a big thing attached to your head. It, it did feel a little different for sure, but it wasn't weighted as uncomfortably as I thought it would be. And then there's like a battery pack that you need to like put in your pocket or put around your waist or your thigh or something. Uh, but I think the pro- – not the problem, but kind of the limitation still with that that's going to hold some people off is you still need the cameras.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a huge limitation. That's a huge, so
1: once we get to the point where it is legit standalone VR – At the level we're seeing Vive and Oculus now, that's when I think more mainstream people are going to be like, all right, I can get behind this.
3: And I think we'll get there. I think it's going to be like we thought, you know, what's an example of technology? Like graphics would never get better than a Nintendo 64. You know, our cell phones would never be able to have our cameras and the Internet and everything there. So I think we will get to a point where we will have standalone experiences that will be. Twice as powerful as the most Ready powerful. Ready, player one. There we go. That will, that'll be twice as powerful as the VR headsets that we have now that are plugged into our computers. I think we'll get there. It's just a matter of technology and time. And that's um, what I'm very excited about. Also, for.
0: I don't mean to interrupt you, Britt, but. I'm done. Holy, holy shit, something happened with Trisha's signal. It looks like you have crazy face paint on. Cool. Oh, like that
3: one time with me where I was all like those <sighs> colors and raving. That happened. Yes. Once I, I, it, should I start? Oh, you just—you just, you
0: just you no, know, you just popped back in. Oh my god, it was so weird. <laughs> it's a I demon screen. When I'm editing this, I'm going to screenshot it and send it to you. <laughs> okay, please do. It was freaking me
3: out. <laughs> I was, it was wondering what was, my- it was crazy. I thought you were going to say that the recording stopped, that it froze, and I was going <laughs> to be very sad. No, I'm no, saying. but it is—it is a perfect segue it for is. us
0: to end <laughs> this segment. Um, This has been a really fun conversation, and thank you, Trisha, so much for lending your expertise um, coming from the technical uh, side that you have been, obviously, working on so many amazing tech programs over the years and being the host of New Egg Show and also Kingston's program as well. Um, And really just, this has been so lovely getting to chat. I could keep talking with you about games, what feels like forever, but... You have a baby to take care. You have to get up at 6 AM tomorrow morning to go shoot yet another show because uh Greg might call me the busiest lady in the business, but I think that title definitely belongs to you. Oh, definitely
1: <laughs> not. No, you you guys I feel like I see you at every like I not at I don't personally see you at every convention because I don't go to every convention. But like what's good is at every convention. You're at every awards ceremony, like you guys are killing it and you're everywhere, and thank you for being a positive force in the gaming industry. And especially it's nice to see, uh, you know, a- an extra voice out there for the ladies. It's That's very Thank cool you. to see. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I feel like the more of us get out there that are other than the gaming stereotype that most people think of, whatever that other might be, whether it's age, race, orientation, sex, whatever it is, uh, the more of us get out there and we're like, hey, I like games too, and I'm knowledgeable about games and can speak about them, uh, then the more that stereotype will start to break down and change. Uh, because Heck there's lots yes. of people that love games. And so thank you guys for doing that and being that voice for the gaming community. You guys are awesome. So, oh, that's really sweet
0: of you to say. Thank you. Yeah. And like, this has been fun. We would love to have you back on the show sometime. And maybe we could even arrange to do like a stream or play something together because I would absolutely love that. I would love that yeah. too. Um, but for people who want to come find you and watch you, where are all the multitude of places <laughs> that people can hunt down Trisha Hirschberger?
1: Okay. So uh, my YouTube channel slash Trisha Hirschberger is mostly playlisted stuff that I host for other people with a smattering of original content, but it's kind of a good place to go for like what I'm doing on YouTube, which I do a tech show for Kingston called DIY in Five that I write and do all myself. And it's basically like, things that you may have heard about in the tech world but don't really fully understand broken town very simplistically so that everyone can understand and talk about them um or even do it yourself diy in five uh so that's the show i do for kingston and that's on their youtube channel and then uh the new egg show that i do is on youtube facebook and newegg.com, and it's essentially the big like Sales now show. Like think like QVC, but for New Egg. So for the duration of the show and usually the rest of the day or until supplies run out, we do like crazy deals on PC components. So if you're someone who builds your own PC, that's a great place to go and get those resources. And we talk a lot about gaming because most of Newegg's audience is there building PCs because they're gamers. Right. Um, so that's a really nice crossover. And that's every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. and that's live. And then I host a video game show for Geek & Sundry with my co-host Erica Ishii, who's absolutely lovely, and I know you ladies know as well. She's great. She is the best. Um, And we host that show at 4 p.m. every Tuesday, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time every Tuesday on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Geek & Sundry. And then I have my own Twitch channel as well, slash Trisha Hershberger, that I play games on whenever i get a chance to um and like i kind of said earlier when we were talking i i have a hard time sticking with one game because there's so many good games that are out right now that i want to play that i bounce back and forth a lot so i'm not a streamer that you'll go to to see the same game over and over uh but if you want to be exposed to lots of different games i tend to highlight indies that people aren't really talking about and stuff like that on my twitch channel so that's all there uh, and then, yeah, then I'm hosting a Focus Features sh- show on Facebook as well, where we talk about movies and stuff. But I think that's it. Uh, oh, and Nerds with Kids. That's it. I knew i you, remember, remember. you remembered, Nerds with Kids, I always forget. Um, that's a YouTube channel that I started with, Lasercorn, formerly of Smash Games, and Ivan Van Norman. I love uh, Lasercorn. Yay. Uh, Ian is great, too. Yeah, he's awesome. And uh, he called me. That channel started because he called me and was like, hey you made a tiny human. I have a tiny human. We should get together and talk about our tiny humans and call it work. And I was like, that sounds awesome. So we got (laughs) Ivan in on it and we invite on other guests that are mostly gaming content creators, to be honest, either gaming or comic book content creators that have kids. And most of us feel like you can't really talk about your kids in the stuff that we do because it's not cool. Like, it was a big fear I had that I was like, oh man, if I'm public about being a mom, no one wants to listen to mom talk about video games. Like, maybe I should never talk about that.
0: Dude, I remember when you announced your pregnancy, it was secret. <laughs> for so many months and then you were like, bam, I'm like eight months pregnant, y'all. And I was like, how did she do that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I dressed to hide it and I did a lot of shows where I talked from behind a desk or a table. Um, I I figured out ways to do it, but I thought, and this was my own paranoia, but I thought, you know, if I have, if I give my audience less time to think of me as pregnant Trish and like have the baby and then get back to the normal content I was producing before, then hopefully it won't change my brand in people's eyes. That's what I was really worried about, is that I've seen a lot of creators go from whatever they were doing before to a family channel, and that's totally fine. It's just not what I want to make. I don't want to make that kind of content. I want to still be able to talk about gadgets and building PCs and video games, and I didn't want the fact that I am a mom now to take away from that. Uh, So that's kind of what Nerds with Kids is all about, is like there are so many of us, that have kids and might feel a little timid about talking about it. But we have some problems that are unique to this business that, uh, you know, like can I play such and such kind of violent video game in front of my kid and how do I explain that? And when your kids are older, like do you introduce them to a game like Undertale? And what does that mean? Yeah, So a lot lot of things like that. So that's a fun place too. And that's just youtube.com slash nerds with kids.
0: Well, I would love to get you back on, if not just to specifically talk about that show, because that's a whole conversation I think that I would love to, to deep dive into. Um, but clearly it is getting late and you have a very early call time in the morning so thank you thank you thank you for making the time and for chatting with us about video games and nerding out and hopefully you guys will go find Trisha at all of her multitude of ways to watch content whether you like PC games or you have kids or you want to watch about the naked truth about anything that she's talking about there or learn about the newest indie game on her Twitch channel Um, thank you again so much for joining us and don't forget Forget. we will be recording the show early next week because of the thanksgiving holiday of course for patrons just keep it uh, tuned to your feed at patreon.com slash games we'll get all of those pre-show details out for you until then one last time trisha this has been a pleasure and we will see all of y'all next time bye everybody thank you ladies so much that
3: was so fun